Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode one of Make the Difference. Episode one is brought to you by Reef Builders. Reef Builders is a full-service design, build, construction company focusing on bringing your vision to life through their experience and a superior client experience. If you're looking for a complete renovation, whether it be a kitchen and bath remodel, a whole house renovation, if you need a custom house built, or even a boutique commercial project done, Reef Builders can deliver. They've been in business for about six years now, um, built many a custom home, many a renovation. They are the guys to do it. So again, Reef Builders, your vision, their experience delivered. All right, so on to episode one. Episode one is with Mark Tucker Sr. and Roy Lewis Jr. I have known Tucker, or Tuck as I like to call him, uh, for about eight years. He's a friend of mine, um, and there's not another man in this world that when he hugs me, he makes me feel like a 14-year-old man. Uh, I'm sorry, boy. Tuck is a beast of a man. He is six foot three, 295 pounds, um, has a close resemblance to John Coffey from the Green Mile. Matter of fact, I made the mistake of calling him that the first time I met him. And he looked like he was going to rip my head off. So, but he's actually one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he is actually uh, one of the hardest working men I'll ever meet. Even to this day at 50, he outworks most of the young guys uh, that I know. So Tucker started playing football in high school um, at Banning High School in L.A. He then went on to play at USC, playing in 48 games, um, starting all four years. He played on three Rose Bowl teams, uh, was an All-American his senior year, and was up for the Outland Trophy, which I believe is the award given to the best lineman in college football for that year. So very accomplished uh, college career. Then he went on and was drafted in the NFL, played seven years there, um, finishing his career as an arena football player where he played 10 seasons and won a world championship with uh, the Arizona Rattlers beating the Iowa Barnstormers, and for you Arizona folks, know that that was Kurt Warner in his year. So uh, second guest, Roy Lewis Jr. Uh, Roy, I have known for about three years. He's a friend of mine. Roy also started playing football in South Central L.A. at, I'm going to screw this up, but I believe it's Narbonne High School uh, where he uh, played linebacker, went on to play football at San Jose State University, um, to give an, his friend an opportunity to also play Division One football, but I'll let Roy get into that later. Um, he then transferred to UW. Uh, those of you that don't know who UW is, it's the University of Washington. He started there for three years um, playing defensive back. He then was uh, an undrafted uh, free agent that was picked up by the Steelers after the head coach, I think his name is Mike Tomlin, saw him play and liked his physical uh, ability on the field. He actually won a Super Bowl with uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Went on to play for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, where he was awarded the Steve Largent Award by the team, as well as Team's Man of the Year. Roy's a very good guy, nice guy, um, big and giving back to the community. He is also the new owner of my 67 Chevelle. So my brother and I rebuilt a 69 Chevelle uh, that was painted matte gray with black rally stripes. Um, Against my better advice, Roy changed the name of the Chevelle to the Black Panther, even after I told him that you cannot name a muscle car anything other than a female's name. But to my dismay, it's now the Black Panther. So, But Roy's taking a good care of that thing, loves that car. His three-year-old daughter actually knows how to start it now. Pretty funny story there. But anyway, let's get to episode one. 
Mark Tucker, Roy Lewis, Make the Difference, Episode 1. All right, welcome to episode one of Make the Difference. I got Mark Tucker Sr., Roy Lewis Jr. here today. They're uh, a couple public service members, firefighters, but they also spent some time in the NFL playing football uh, and all the way through college. So they're just going to hear today to talk about the difference that they made coming up, uh, lessons they learned all the way from childhood that made them successful. So I've known these guys for little while now, Big Tuck, I've known for about seven years. I had the uh, the privilege of running him through his first skills course at, at the academy. <laughs> One of our uh, mentors asked me to check him out, so he, he put on the snowsuit, and we went through that skills course. There's a couple events in there. I remember there's about a 250-pound tire we dragged about 100 yards, and I saw Tuck line up, so we call him Tuck. Uh, and he dragged that tire. It looked like a damn donut behind him. <laughs> yeah. him along. Oh, you got to be much quicker than that. <laughs> but it looked like nothing. I was like, that's like a, like a five-pound donut. Like, I was all bad. I was oh, running as fast God. as I can to get down there. And there's Tuck, dee, 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 doing down there. And then line. I could tell they never sw- swung a sledgehammer because that thing looked like a foreign, foreign <laughs> object in his hand. But he was rattling the car when he, when, he was, when he was hitting it. And then Roy, Roy's got a little bit less time on the job. How long, Roy? Uh, three and a half years. So now. three and a half years. But I knew Roy was an NFL guy. Uh, Roy and Tucker go back and forth about Rose Bowl versus Super Bowl all day today. <laughs> I already know. So, but Roy's uh, Roy's a newer guy. But both these guys have been very successful their whole life, um, and we're gonna find out why. So, Tuck, why don't you start, man? Like where you grew up, when you started playing football, all that good stuff. Because uh, well, you because because Tuck's old as hell too. So <laughs> Tuck is what we consider an OG. So, there you go. We're OGs trying to go get the right away. Age before beauty. So <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I like that one. Hey, too. Black, <laughs> black don't crack though. Hey, that's true too. Uh-huh. Looking good, player. Uh, well, yeah. Um, I grew up in South Central LA. Uh, pretty much most of my life, I was a Navy brat, and uh, so mom and pops moved around early on, and then. Uh, they separated, and my mom moved to California with my grandmother, and uh, you know, moved in the middle of the hood. And so for me, uh, is you know, it was it was it was the education on the streets. Uh, a lot of my friends were, uh, you know, drug dealers, gangbangers. You know, just it was it was just a good uh, melting pot of, as far as race, uh, a lot of Hispanics, lots of blacks. Um, no Asians, though, huh? Yeah, the Koreans. <laughs> hey, the hey, right hey, now the Koreans were on the cor- on the corner store. So, you know that was that was a that, yeah, that was the <clears throat> that was what that's where the Asians came from. But uh, other than that, man, it was just it was yeah. I mean, it was education on the streets. You know, like I said, cats out doing their thing, or whatever. Um, but I had a strong you know black mom, grandma, man. They don't they don't play that. So they kept me out of a lot of a lot of bullshit, man. And um, you know, I could have went down a lot of dark paths. Um, thankfully, they were uh, real instrumental in my life, man. And so, uh, started playing football in high school. Didn't play any, anything prior to that. Um, you know, went to high school at that, at that time was one of the most uh, prominent programs in the country. Uh, Banning High School in Wilmington, California. Was it called yeah. Banning High School? Banning. Yeah, it's our rival. <laughs> yeah, you guys have been hating each other for a long time, man. It's a lot. Of hate. Well, our, 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 our original rival was Carson, and then all of a sudden Narbonne came into power. And so, just to tell you the difference, you know, you talk about how, you know, kind of a generational thing. Narbonne was a, like was like the major afterthought, 
in the South Bay area, like like nobody cared about Norbon. Right. Norbon was like, you know, your your I mean basically all they got was a box score put in the newspaper the next morning on a Saturday morning. So there was like no article about what Norbon, you know, what they did or who they lost to. So, you know, you fast forward, you know, 10 or 15 years later and it just flip flops. And now the dynamic is where Narbonne is the school in the, in the South Bay. That's the dominant program and putting kids out in college. And so it just, it just goes to show you how, uh, how it can change, how things can swing in such a, um, you know, such a window of time. But, um, you know, went to went to got to, got to my high school man, and um, the one the probably the best thing about my high school man was the fact that we had such a great and strong coaching staff, uh, a lot of fatherly figures, and uh, they they you know they took me under their wing. Uh, a lot of upperclassmen. We had a great tradition, so the upperclassmen were always reaching back and and pulling the upperclassmen up and holding us to the standard you know tradition of the school and things like that. So um, then from there, man, it was like hey. You know, you can get a scholarship, man. Um, you know, and there's coaches asking about you. Know, I'm like, are you serious? They go, yeah. I'm like, hell. I'm like, I'm on it then. That's like that was like all you all like like I, I had to get to college, and I knew my mom couldn't afford to put me through school. My mom, we were on welfare, and she worked under the table jobs. You know, basically as a maid, you know, cleaning people's houses, man. So, so mom was yeah. a hustler. Mom was a hustler, and that's 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 my foundation. That's all I know. Hard um, work. So at that point, man, you know. Um, um, got my opportunity to, to be highly recruited. Did you, like, start as a freshman? Like, those of you who don't know Tucker because you can't see him, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like he, he, looks, he, he makes John Coffey look small. So he's like 6'3", oh yeah. about 295. Like, did you come in, like, as a freshman, like, 6'3", no, like 200 pounds? No, I, I was or? probably two I was probably two and a quarter um, as, a, as a sophomore because we started school in 10th grade. So started high school in 10th grade. I was 225. Um, you know, was as just, a freshman? Was well, a sophomore. Oh, as a big Jesus. kid. Okay, as a big kid. Yeah, high in LA. That's yeah. big. Yeah, that's big. I thought I was big as a freshman in high school. I was like 160 pounds. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, and so I mean, and the thing about it was like, I had never played football before, so I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but you know, that's scary. Guys are just <laughs> come here, let me hit dude you. Running around who doesn't know where to go. Hey, I, know, I didn't know how to get dressed. None <laughs> of that. So you're like, like the blind side uh, kind of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's scary. And. uh Hey man, like I said, you know, three years later, you know, I could go anywhere in the country, and uh, um, you know, SC was probably the the. Uh, I mean, it's the obvious choice because I grew up two blocks from there originally when I um, first moved to LA, and then from there, you know, my career took off and uh, registered as a freshman. Then I started for four years and um, played in three Rose Bowls. What um, was the difference for you? Like, obviously, you're. You know, genetically gifted guy, 6'3", 225, coming in as a sophomore in high school. Like, was it just like, hey, man, like, I'm big and talented. Like, I don't have to work that hard? Or, like, did you have to put in the work? Like, did you have to hit the books? Did you have, like, like you know, mentors that, that like, really put the screws to you or pushed you, stuff like that? Or yeah, was it, it was – I mean, it was, it, was, it was me coming into my own, uh, figuring out what my, what my abilities were. And still, I really didn't realize until I got to college what I really had. But in high school – you know, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was gifted. You know, I had some talent. I did, I, that I found out I didn't, know, you know, I didn't know I had it. And then from there, just the, the coaching, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, that, at that time, and like, you know, Roy can attest to this. People that grew up in L.A. man in the in the eighties, um, all the guys that played high school football, and, I'm, and I know it carried over to the nineties. Dudes were trying to ball out, man, because they were trying to get the hell out of there. You know, right. it was you trying to get out the streets because. 
you you know, I, I was talking about a guy who played quarterback at Jordan High School, I believe. Um, I, I can't think of his name, but uh, he got a scholarship to Nebraska and went there, you know, one season, came back, and the next summer, and some went down. I don't know what the story. I still, to this day, just kind of I forgot about it. But they found that dude dead in his car one day. Damn. Right. So I don't know if somebody had gunned him down. I know he, I think he got shot, but it's like you don't know was a he, you know, was a dude involved in, you know, drugs? Was it was a gang related, whatever? So every every dude that grew up in the hood like that, man, it was it was I got a ball because I got to get the hell out of here. You know, I got to I got to do better for myself. Whether you stay locally, a lot of cats want to get the hell out of Dodge, so they're going to Washington, Washington State, um, you know, Oregon, places like that. Cal, just you know, Arizona State was getting a lot of guys. Because dudes were just trying to get out of there, man, because they were, it was like, if I stay here, I'm going to die. I used to call Arizona State uh, the Harvard of the South. So. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that must be a local thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's just, that's it, man. It was, it was, it was feast or famine. So dudes were getting the hell up out of there, man. At least, like I said, guys that were staying locally because guys were still going to USC and UCLA. But it was just an opportunity to, to, to lift yourself up, man, get your education, position yourself so that, down the road in life, man, you you gave your chance to be you know a chance to be successful or, or you know at least be able to to build on something. But um, why'd you it, pick SC? Well, I grew up two blocks from that you know from the Coliseum, man, and and uh, you know it was it was the tradition, um, you know, seeing Marcus Allen, um, guys like that, man, you know, balling out Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, um, you know, it was an offensive line school at the time, so there's guys like Roy Foster um, that were you know guys that are just balling out, so. I figured I was gonna live in Southern California the rest of my life, so I just I just stayed there because I was like, if I get my degree from USC and I end up living here the rest of my life, you know, this the the world's my is my my oyster man. I can do whatever I want. I you know tap into the, the 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 alumni pool and and things like that. It's just I was thinking that far ahead just because the the magnitude and the stature of that school in in, in the city. That's crazy, man. Four years and then full ride D one scholarship. Pretty tight. What about you, Roy? That is pretty impressive, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you Mark, did the same thing. Uh, Shut up. Is, uh, Mark is really impressive. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Whatever. <stud. laughs> so no, I'm surprised you didn't say O.J. Simpson because like O.J. Simpson was like the man. The know? juice. Yeah, bro. You can't stop the juice. juice. You can't stop. You can't hey, squeeze the juice. The juice is on Twitter now, and he is big. The juice is unstoppable. Yeah, you can't juice, stop that can't guy. It, juice can't even stop himself. Can't stop himself. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. No, uh, same story, man. You know, I, I think uh, majority of the guys that come from, you know, South Central LA or any place that's, you know, considered poverty stricken for the most part or inner city, uh, we got the same mentality. You know, we got the same kind of grit. I think it goes back to what Mark said. It's just uh, it's street street first, you know, and you, you learn that through osmosis because you have to learn it, right? It's a means of survival. It's a motive. It's a way of doing things. And we don't think it think of it as anything other than that you know so when we come into you know into the the realm that or wherever the place that the vehicle of football takes us at the end of the day we're like we're so appreciative of it because of remember the things that we had to go through so you know same similar story like mark man south central la figure. you guys live close to each other like i'm figure on 60th street so i'm a fig boy i don't know yeah i was i was 90th and uh 90th street in normandy oh yeah so yeah, they're not yeah, too yeah. far apart yeah, trust he, me. he's still on the west side yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah that's that's just how it was so i grew up what USC is on Figueroa and 30th Street. I'm on Figueroa and 60th Street. Literally, you could, right. you know, catch a bus. It's like a five-minute drive down to the Coliseum, you know, to Exposition. So, um, 
So, yeah, I grew up watching USC as well. But for me, you know, Brandon, the, um, at least in my world, it was always so much bigger than, you know, my neighborhood. It was always so much bigger than my street, always so much bigger than, you know, Narbonne High School. It was always so much bigger than the University of Washington. It was just I'm constantly pressing the envelope, I think, on a macro scale for the most part. And whoa, so, whoa, you're using big words now. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> I got to let the people know the most dangerous thing is – Street smarts and book smarts. Yeah, you combine that, bro. You the world is yours, you know. And I honestly believe that. You know what I mean? So yeah, Harvard uh, the South. I know. Harvard yeah, the South, South Central. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I uh, so grew up. I'm one of six. I'm actually the, the the eldest of the six, and I'm actually the smallest boy in the family. Yeah, you, know you ain't mean? real big. I'm not. I'm a runt, man. Yeah. But I got a lot of heart, dude. I got a lot of grit. I'm just like scrappy. You remember Heathcliff? Oh yeah. That's that's me. I'm ready to get down anytime, <laughs> anywhere, you know what I mean? And I had to be to, to, to a certain degree, you know. Um, and, I, and I was a leader. You know, I was just a leader uh, of the pack because I was the first one born. So Protector, I, all that stuff. Right. The, the, the pathfinder, the forger, I had to do it all. So Make all the mistakes. Get all the, you know what, oh, whoopings. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got tased. I had a lot of switches. Picked a lot of, <laughs> a lot of leaves off those branches, you know, back in the day. <laughs> but... All that made me who I am now. And so when I think about my journey from, you know, youth, growing up in the household of six, you know, mom and dad both busting their tail. Dad worked for the city of Los Angeles. My mom has been a teacher for LA Unified School District for as long as I can remember, you know. Um, and then making my way up to uh, high school, you know, and then playing ball. So I, I didn't, my, my, my path to playing ball didn't start until I was in seventh grade. So before that, um, my dad got us in, like, T-ball, you know, basketball, park stuff. You know, yeah. just trying to stay active. Got a big family, so you take us all to the park at one time, we all just disperse. And it's cheap. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's cheap no entertainment. No, yeah. yeah. You don't got to pay for anything, you know. Um, all inclusive. So then we graduated from that. So my mom put me in karate, actually. Uh-oh. So, like, that's why, hence the name, Bruce, Bruce Leroy. Leroy. <laughs> there you go. I got the glow, baby. What the? What the? Sicky, sicky, you better have that movie on DVD at home. Come on, man. You know yeah. I love it. Come on. Barry Gordy. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so she put me in, in, in martial arts for discipline purposes. Um, Imagine that. Well, Strange. right. Roy having Strange. discipline problems. Oh it's the ADHD, guys. <laughs> High def. <laughs> but no, and so the uh, the professor was an a Islander guy from Trinidad and Tobago, and uh, he taught us, man. It was cool because what started off is supposed to be like, Discipline, it ended up becoming fun. He taught us how to dissect the body. I mean, we learned the freaking anatomy at seven years old, you know. So I became a black belt, you know, and I haven't had to really use it. I've, I've always prided myself on being able to take care of myself. But um, the the discipline, the yes, ma'am, the no, sir, the meditation that he had us go through, you know, if we were not performing well in school, he was a, a mentor. So he was an outside of the house father figure or authority figure that guys in the neighborhood looked up to, man. That's pretty and tight, man. It was pretty dope, dude. Yeah. And then fortunately, it came to a screeching halt when I was introduced to football in middle school. And so how my journey started with some guys in middle school, you know, hey, playing ball, little Pop Warner teams are clicky. And uh, I wanted to play. And I'm like, oh, you don't, you're not on any teams. And so I was like, all right. I knew I was athletic. So, yeah. like, I just had my mom sign me up and I just take Come all your spots. You. And so I started off, man, on the O-line, believe it or not, as skinny as I you am. You on the O-line? I was a pulling guard <laughs> for Gardena Pop Warner. Ran the a four, five, seven pulling guard. That's it. <laughs> Bro, I used to clean people's clocks. Me and my buddy Brooks, man. Down, down, pull around. Old school power. 
and uh, started there. And in eighth grade, I went to, I think, DN and tight end. And then ninth grade, I had no, you know, experience. So the coach says, what position you want to play? And I'm like, uh, I like Ray Lewis. Can I play linebacker? He's like, all right, cool. You can play outside linebacker. So we ran a 4-4. I was outside linebacker. got up to make plays, you know, and then uh, find myself on offense. And then so basically I learned football, man. Literally, I'm constantly evolving. I'm constantly growing. And I honestly think you never get too old to learn. So I played almost every position besides quarterback because I suck at throwing. You know what I mean? They but made I, me play quarterback my senior <laughs> year. Everybody got hurt. They're like, you're going to play quarterback this season. I'm like, what? Never played Where's quarterback. my line, right? You yeah. look at your line. That's I'm like, I got a shuffle pass in me. That's about it. No question. Everything <laughs> is sprint out. <laughs> you know, and so I, uh, I learned, and then uh, I just progressed in the game. And then by the time, like Mark said, I was a junior um, I remember guys were saying, hey, man, you're going to start getting recruited, man. You got a chance to go to, to college. For me, the pinnacle was, okay, I played high school football. My Pop Warner coach worked at FedEx. He had a nice car. He had a FedEx jacket he would wear. I'm like, ooh, I might just go become a firefighter. I work at FedEx. Those look like good jobs. Yeah. And it wasn't until um, the perception of how I viewed myself matched the reality of how I was actually playing. And then I was like, wow, okay, I am good enough to play. And then my mentality shifted. And then once that mentality shifted, so long, you know, confidence, the way that you play, the way that you approach things. I started feeling in my heart of hearts that, you know what, if I put the work in, if I put the time in, damn right, I deserve it to be rewarded. Who can make the play? I can, like T.O. Right. Pick me, coach. Put me in. you lack a little bit of confidence for sure. Like like if if I was ever going to describe you, like, Roy's a little shy, <laughs> lacks confidence. You know? I was at one point. It's funny. <laughs> it's hard to believe. At one point, I was a shy I'm guy, dude. bullshit. Uh, <laughs> come on, Mama Kim. Right. Step in. <laughs> yeah. Mama, where you at? <laughs> but, yeah, and so then, uh, so then the recruitment process started. And then so my path to the University of Washington, most people don't know, is that out of high school, I was actually committed to Cal Berkeley to be a golden bear with uh, nice, Jeff Tefford and J.D. Williams. And uh, long story short, I end up signing with San Jose State University because I, I wanted my best friend in high school to have an opportunity to play Division One college ball. And so we got there. I started as a true freshman in San Jose under, at that time. Uh, playing an outside linebacker? No, playing a uh, defensive back, playing corner. So When did they make that switch? Uh, like, like in high school? Because you, you said they started playing outside linebacker. Right. No, I played linebacker and pretty much – rover slash safety throughout high school gotcha. and then when I got to college it was like hey you better be good at backpedaling because this is your position <laughs> <laughs> and luckily for me you yeah. know my coach in high school I had a chance to play against with some good guys Nambi Asimo was at my high school Brandon Malamaluna Deshaun Goats and me and him been to school together since middle school you know Marcus O'Keefe Ronnie Smith we had a, a, a crew of guys who, who were pretty talented so we all dispersed and went off into division one world so it was a, a good experience so I found myself after my first year at San Jose State. Uh, I told the coach, hey, man, you know, I fulfilled my commitment. I knew I was better than, not to say San Jose is not good, but I would belong yeah. on a bigger stage. Yeah. And so. You wanted something else. Absolutely. That's and, and, and it was okay. And so I, um, Deshaun Goldson was at UW and he's like, hey, man, we need a corner. And so he called it up. I told my mom, we got to talking. And next thing I know, next year I'm at University of Washington. I redshirted and then I. Was a starter and the starting kick returner for all the rest of my three years there. You know, so that's pretty tight, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Was that when when UW was good or not so good? No, we went through the dark ages. So um, I was recruited by New Heisel, got there, 
knew Izzo had been canned because of the, uh, you know, the betting deal that mm-hmm. was going on internally. Allegedly. And, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. That everybody does now. Fake yeah. news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so then another coach steps in, an interim coach, Keith Gilbertson. He was on the staff already. Uh, he gets canned or kind of just, you know, resigns. And then in comes Coach Tyrone Willingham coming from uh, Notre Dame uh, towards my junior and senior year. So. So, like, in high school, for, like, either of you guys, like, was there one coach that kind of stood out? Because for me, like, you know, there, 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 there's always one or two coaches that always stood out for me. Like, I, I, I almost wanted to emulate and be like all the time. Like, you guys have somebody like that in high school? Well, I, um, I, you know, I guess the other days I was on Instagram posting stuff. Um, my, I mean, my entire staff was like that, man. My, but Chris Ferragamo was my head football coach, and he was a guy who was probably the most instrumental be just because – um, you know, the dynamic, man, my high school was such a, a, a melting pot because then, like, so Wilmington is a, a small uh, blue-collar working-class community between San Pedro and Carson, California. Everybody that's in the community works on their long summer down on the docks in uh, Long Beach and San Pedro. So, um, you know, they just, it, it was Polynesians, it was Hispanics, it was blacks, it was, I mean, just, it was Asians. We had a melting pot of everybody. So, there was no, but nobody saw race. Everybody was just, everybody was just, hey, we we ballers. You know, we're family. This is Benning High School. This is our tradition. And Coach Ferragamo, little stocky, you know, Marine, um, you know, little white guy, just, but he just, he just loved, he cared about everybody. So, you know, he was my father figure, my office line coach, Jim True. Um, dude had forearms. I mean, we used to call him Popeye because he had these forearms that was just ridiculous. Kind of like this mine. Little, he had this little, <laughs> he had this little, he had this little beer gut, this little pot beer gut. Kind of like mine, too. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, he used to work out with us all the time. And Coach, I mean, Coach True had these big-ass arms and these big-ass forearms. And, and, and uh, just, you know, I was around I was around men, you know. and uh, That's just, big, man. Being yeah. around men, like grown-ass men. Absolutely. Yeah. We, Absolutely. Yeah, when you you're around grown as men, dog, right. you you it forces you to become a man. Like you, but you, you see it, they embody it, and and it just rubs off on you. And mm-hmm. and because because it's such it's so impressive that you want to be. That's what you want to make you know make yourself into. So, I mean that was that was huge for me because my dad wasn't around, and uh, you know that's a whole other story. But the whole idea is just that that was that was that's what that's what springboarded me through through high school. And then my college coach just kind of. With the additional part of that, and then I just you know from there I just developed into a man. Well, that's what I think people fuck up about leadership all the time. Is like you don't have to like you, like you don't have to try and pretend to be a leader. Right. Just be the one setting the example for everybody else. Right. And people are going to want to naturally naturally follow you. Like if you're the dude that's half hour before practice warming up, like running drills, stuff like that. Like people people notice that shit. Coach it, knows yeah. that stuff. It's like and then. On top of that, when you have coaches like you had that hold you accountable, right. so when you do screw up, it's like, hey man, this is here's the deal. Right. You have to pay the piper today. Like like I remember walking into high school practice, wrestling practice. I was like a sophomore or freshman. I wrestled on varsity young. We I drank a little bit the night before. Should have uh-huh. done that. Coach smelled it right on me. Pulled the trash can right next to the mat and said, "We're gonna go today until you throw up." And that's what happened. I was like, you know what? Those but those lessons <laughs> right there, right? That we need we need those. Yeah, I, I I tell you what, I never showed up to Saturday practice again. After drinking the night before, right? Lesson learned. I got owned that day. I I love it. You know, I I think about my 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 high school coach too. One in particular, his name is uh, Bobby Hosea, uh, former UCLA guy, um, played in the Canada leagues, and uh, he just was the same way, man. Just carrying a dad outside of, 
your household will pick you up, man. A bundle of guys, man. There's a little Land Cruiser. Take us down to Redondo Beach. We're on the sand dunes. You know Brothers what I mean? swim? Hey, some of us can. <laughs> <laughs> we all are not sinkers. Mike I mean, Robinson can. I know that. I don't know about Tuck. Yeah, Tuck is the... Uh, actually, I would ride on Tuck's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. It'll be okay, Mark. Just keep pushing. <laughs> keep treading, bro. <laughs> hey, all you got to do is pound and kick, dog. The, <laughs> the iron <laughs> giant yeah, right here. Hey. <laughs> the big bobber. <laughs> right, right. But, but, but Bobby Hosea, man, he was the same way, dude. And um, we looked up to him. We adored him, man. Like, he's by far... I think all the guys that I grew up with, we would we would we would take a bullet for Coach Bobby, man. He was that sure. instrumental to us in how he raised us, how he held us accountable. Um, you know, he was a family man. His son played too, and it it was just cool to see that because we wanted to embody him, our toughness, the way that we approach things. You know, um, we wanted to be Coach Bobby in the flesh, and so he built up a group of young men who followed in this position. And, and mostly, we're all defensive backs because that was his position, but he just drilled that home into us and. When I think back now, all of us have all been pretty successful. We all got good things going for us. We're all a good human beings, you know what I mean? We, yeah, for sure. We all give back to the community, either whether it's back at our high school at Narbonne or wherever our respective town is that we live in. So um, it would be Coach Bobby Hosea and then I would say uh, Coach J.D. Williams as well from uh, UW. Well, I think yeah. now he's at UNLV. Yeah. But defensive backs coach. Yeah, yeah he dog. played in the league. He was um, – with the Buffalo Bills when they lost those four Super Bowls, but he personally recruited me from Cal Berkeley and then left Cal Berkeley to come coach me at the University of Washington. That's nice. So that's pretty nice, yeah, man. That's and, nice for sure. You know, I, man, that's, that's a solid dude. So mm. I, I love coaches like that too because those are the coaches that you don't want to lose for. Like, right. You, oh, you just, hey, you'll do whatever. Yeah. yeah right. Like, man, I do not want to lose right. for this guy. I don't want to let him down. Do. Yeah, you don't ever, 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 ever. You know, in life, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, those two guys, I think. Uh, those uh, those hit home, but I had a, a, a host of good guys too. Yeah, had, you always do. People come right, in, touch you, know, you, touch you for a little bit. Coach Wilkes from come the in, Cardinals. He was my defensive backs coach at UW at one point, and you know, uh, great guy. My fraternity brother taught me a lot about manhood as well. Taught me a lot about uh, the politics of the game and understanding it and how to maneuver through it. And so, uh, those are all valuable lessons. Valuable too. Mm-hmm. at the Division One level and even throughout life, you know, understanding. For sure. that Things may not go the way you, but how do you how do you respond to them type of deal? And so um, I'm I'm blessed that I had that lesson learning how to separate personal from from professional at a young age. And Coach Wilkes taught me that. Yeah, and sometimes people they got a real hard time with that. Like I'm a little bit bad sometimes. Like I'm real good at separating business from personal stuff. Like you're not gonna hurt my feelings with business stuff, or right. anything like that. But like being like being able to separate. Like hey man, like at, at the end of the day, it's a job, right? Right. You gotta show up, do your thing. You, right. you don't perform. Right. He might be gone. That's it. That's so. the that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, and that's where all that personal accountability comes into play. Like you're going to do whatever you got to do, whether it's late nights, stay longer, talk to people, whatever, talk to your coach, all that stuff. That that makes that difference because some people and people won't put in that time. Like right. I know I saw hella dudes. You know, when I was g- growing up and in college, that were unbelievable athletes, man. But right. they didn't have all those little, little, those little tiny intangibles right. that, you know, that you have to have to be successful. It, it amazes me because I think we're now moving to a place in this generation with the younger guys where everybody wants the reward, but they want it at a discounted rate. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to pay the full price mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, where when we grew up, we had men examples that showed us how to pay the full price. Right. To grind it out, you know, just to have that grit, that mental toughness that Mark talked about that he got from Coach Ferragamo. Um, I don't see it anymore. And that's even with me coaching amongst the youth in like the Pop Warner divisions. It's nobody wants to do it the, the right way. They want to just try to take shortcuts and then they expect 
good results and it doesn't Can't work do like it. that. I tell people all the time, man, like I'm not gifted in any way. Like you guys got more talent in your pinkies than I have in my whole body, like for sure, <laughs> like whatever. But, <laughs> but one thing is if you just get up and show up and put in that work and just it's baby steps, man. It's an inch here. It's a foot there. It's like whatever you can get to to get to that point, you just got to keep it. And like that word grinding to me has always been kind of weird because it's not a grind to me. Like it's just work. Like it's work. That, like that's what you do. Like you, you, you're not going to magically, well, maybe tuck because he's 6'3", 225. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of magic sophomore. things happen first yeah. too. <laughs> like Doors open. <laughs> but, but most people are going to have to work and you're going to have to work hard in right. business and athletics. Like you, you didn't magically become like tuck. You, you're a three-time All-American. Uh, no, uh, no, I was one. I was, I was, I was all Pac-10 three times. And I was an All-American my senior year. And that, yeah. But that shit just doesn't happen. Yeah, and well, you know, and I've been coaching. You know, uh, you guys all know me. I've been coaching for 22 years in Hamilton, man. And, wow. and uh, um, you know, we, you know, I'm sitting listening to Roy. You know, we've all had this conversation, the three of us together, and it's like these kids have champagne dreams, but they got they got that <laughs> that, that uh, you know that the Bud Light work ethic. <laughs> You know, because it's like for real. It's like they want they you know, and I hate mm. I, and I say it all the time. But this is my new thing now. I you know I hate to be. I don't want to be the old angry man on the lawn. You know, get off my lawn and it, too know, late bashing Too late. the <laughs> right. and, and you know bashing the younger generation, man. But it's just in this and it's maybe it's our fault as adults because they had to get it from somewhere. It just didn't develop out of out of the, you know. But it was that whole. It started with that whole everybody gets a trophy mentality, right? Yeah, and then that just opened the floodgates, and now it's just ridiculous because again, we all know. You know, a simple work ethic take you know will take you a long way. But these kids haven't they haven't been they haven't been they have, their feet haven't been held to the fire. Right. You got to work at stuff. And even with my son, man, my son, you know, um, like I guess he's undrafted free agent going to the Bears, or whatever. And you know, For, yeah, this is that's pretty. You see, I yeah. try to throw it well, in here real yeah, softly, real quick. Say that again. I, <laughs> <laughs> Say his name again. Hey, yeah. Marquez Tucker, number seventy-one, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Bears. Uh, but I mean, coming up in high school, he didn't start. He was a senior, and I just remember his senior year. We and now we talked Football? about this weekend. Yeah, we talked Gosh, about uh, it. Hey, we talked about cheating. it the other day. Genetics. He his senior year. We had, you know, he's on varsity as a junior, but you know, he just he played here and there, and then his senior, going to his senior year, he was still kind of because he was still figuring the game out. And I told him, I said, just keep working, man. So one day before practice, I had to, you know, I had the pleasure of being able to coach my own kid, and he was on the he was on the side, he was pissed because he was still second team, and we're getting ready to go out to San Diego and play this game, and he's like, this is bullshit. I'm tired of being second team. And just, I said, hey, I just turned, I looked at him, I said, hey, I go, just keep working. Yeah, that's all I said. Just keep working, dog. And sure as shit, he. We go right before the game, you know, like right that that you know that morning we got up. You're starting at right tackle. See, played this whole senior year, you know. So it's just, but it, it, it's as a dad, that's got to be like that's got to be that one moment where you're like, all right. Yeah. Well, I told him I said, dude, I can't tell you when the lights gonna finally come on, but when it come on, you'll know it. I right. said I can't tell right. you when. It's just if you just keep keep your nose to the grindstone, and that's an old school term. I said, but if you keep doing that, I said the lights gonna come on one day, and you're gonna figure it out, and it did, and it's and it's like. You know, all of us, man, as as you know, we're, we we mentor, we help, you know, we reach back, try to help the younger generation, bring guys along, whatever, and, and be there, the, you know, the the men in their lives. Try and get these guys to understand that it just takes work, and if you just just if you just shut up and just work, man, and just you know work in silence, be humble, and just work, man. Things tend tend to work out for you if you if you just if you just do that if you just if you just stay the course, but you know they. 
they just they just they want it right now. It's crazy because I right. tell people like all the time, like a lot of life. I'd say like 90 percent of life, it's about pattern recognition. Like in I sports, like, like, you, like there's a pattern that you're trying to recognize, mm-hmm. and at at one point you're reacting to something, but but by that time it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to have that instinct to get it. In business, like it's the same way. Like I've seen this this model roll out before. I'm like I. I need to take this deal. Like this right. is a good deal. Like right. this, like this, like this. This is a money maker, and it's weird. Like you say, people, um, you know, just keep like when when the light bulb is going to come on. Like and for me, like I always said, because I coached for a bit too. It's when he's going to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. Like and you eventually turn the corner, but mm-hmm. it's like everybody takes a, a little bit longer. Like y- you can probably teach like a you know pop Warner kid. Had a swim, something like that. Boom, boom, boom. Some kids take them fifty times, and like some kids take it two times. Right. It's got to be tough watching your own kid. You're like, come on, man. Come on. Man. <laughs> you know the thing about it is, I, I, I was, you know, I played with Tom Marinovich in high school. I mean, in uh, in college, man. The robot. And, you know, yeah, you know, Robo QB, man. And, you know, I watched that. You know, I just that whole that whole story how it unfolded, how his dad, you know, you know, for, and I guess the lack of a better term, you know, destroyed that kid, man. He just, I mean, he set that kid up for failure. With good intent, but just you know the way he went about it, and I just refused. I refused to be that dad. So when he was a freshman at Hamilton, I walked him down to the freshman coaches. I was like, "He is all yours." I'm like, "I'm I'm out of this shit." I go, "I'll let you guys you know figure out how to." Because I go, "He doesn't know how to be coached. He hadn't been coached before. Now it's just dad telling him what to do, and right. dad being hard on me, rough on me." So I'm like, after a couple of years where he's actually been coached by somebody else, I'll get him probably as a junior, and then when I get him, then all that shit's out the way, and now I can just be. I can be his football coach, and if there's, there's, he'll figure out that there's a balance between dad being a football coach. And that's a big deal because now parents, like, you got a pretty good uh, term. What the hell do you call that again? Uh, well, there's, the, there's, a heli- there's a helicopter parents, no, the and then, the, then there's the, lawn, the lawnmower parents. Yeah. So, What's the lawnmower parents? The lawnmower this, parents this are the ones. So the helicopter parents are the ones that hover over their kid. You know, and as soon as it looks like there's going to be some kind of adversity or something, they, they, you know, they swoop down and they like cover that. it up. The lawnmower parents now, they get out in front of their kid. And any adversity, anything that's in the way, they get in front of they mow their path. So, yeah. you know, they, instead of preparing their kid for the path, they prepare the path for their kid. But most parents won't do what you did because you were, you know, right. obviously NFL athlete, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, hey, take him, do his thing. I'm just going to sit back here and watch. Like every parent wants to be, in my opinion, a lot of parents now, not every parent, they, they want to be way too involved yes. in, in that stuff. Like, hey, the, the coaches are there for a reason. Right. They're the experts. Let them do their shit. At the yeah. end of the day, if you want to talk to your son or daughter about how things went, that's all good. But it's like, hey, don't right. like those, those are kids, man. Like, like, like their frontal lobe has not been developed yet. Yeah, some shit isn't gonna go right, and they're gonna complain and 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 and, and uh, not be happy some days. But like, that's why you, you that's why you have coaches, man. Let, let those kids do the same thing. And coming from Hamilton, what twelve years or something? Like, I was reading your Instagram oh, post. Um, man. Oh, like, yeah, we. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the program we established there, man. Um, you know, in the sixteen year window, we went to twelve state championship games and won seven. And wow. uh, you know, so Impressive. the expectation level. Is you know ridiculous there. I mean, and it's and it's rightfully so. But it's like you said with the, with the parents. You know, you just never know what the parents. You know, they have an ulterior motive, man. I've had a lot of great parents, and I can't speak bad on any of them. Other than that, sometimes you just got to wonder what their motive is because there's some parents that look at their kids. You know, and, and I know I know one kid in particular. I'm not gonna say his name, but you know, his mom was looking at him. As Roy baby. Lewis. She was a. He, I mean, mm-hmm. he was gonna be her meal ticket. Right, the meal ticket. And it's just, you know, and it's sad, man, because, and, you know, and that's a, 
and I, you know, and I don't want to, you know, people may hear this, they may, it may tick him off. There's a guy on YouTube, I got to figure out who he is. I got to dig him up because I've been trying to. He has a thing, he goes on his rant where he talks about how these black moms, they had this expectation of, of, their, of their kids when they're athletes or whatever, you know, particularly somebody that comes from, you know, our background where you're, you know, you're not, you know, things, you know, you're, you're poor, you're getting by, whatever. And then the kid makes it and there's an expectation that you're supposed to take care of them. And it's right. like, and that's right. bullshit. It's like, it's like, you didn't ask to be born. That kid didn't ask to be born. And I had this conversation with my son, man, just to get it out there. I had a conversation with him. And I said, hey, man, I go, you don't owe me shit. You didn't right. ask to be born. Your mom and I had you, and we raised you. I did the best job I could do being a father for you and, and giving you the best life I could give you. And, you know, you make this team. I can see he's an undrafted free agent. The, the, his already, the odds are already against him not making that football team. But there's also, you know, stories where undrafted guys make it. But the whole idea is, I go, if you, if you make it and you had this great career and you make millions of dollars and you come back and you say, hey, Dad, I want to do something nice for you, I said I would greatly appreciate it. I go, but you don't. You're not obligated to do anything. Not for sure. I go. I'm a fireman. I'm a substitute teacher. I, I you know, I have my, my financially. I'm good. I, I pay my own bills. You know, all that kind of stuff. I said, but if you want to come back later on and do some nice for me, I go. I'm, I would appreciate it, but I'm not. I don't expect anything from you. Well, right. and like you said, something that I think most people don't get in this world is the world owes you nothing. nothing. Right. Owes you not a damn thing. Like, no one owes you anything. I wish like, more people understood that. If yeah. you want something, get off your ass, <laughs> get up, and go after it, right? Go do like, it. Yeah. I, like, you know, that's, a, that, that's the only way to do it. It's like, hey, man, like, when you're that poor me or like, hey, it owes me, like, no one owes you shit. And like, get after it. It's crazy because, unfortunately, families have a tendency to want to put that guilt trip on a young man or a young woman if they do become successful, especially coming from the inner city community. Right. And that's just always how it is. It's like, okay, we reach back. And I had an older player tell me this when I was in Pittsburgh, and a uh, great mentor for me, man, Ike Taylor and Tyrone Carter, Troy, all those guys. But they basically said in, in, in a nutshell, hey, man, the problems that your family is going to have, they're going to have them whether you became a professional football player, a mailman, a police officer, if you were a bum on the street. He said, and guess what? They're going to figure out how to how to make it happen. He said, so I'm telling you from experience, young man, don't allow your family or anyone for that matter to, you know, put that guilt trip on you that, hey, you owe them something. Hey, man, you the one to get wake up 6 a.m., run, do the extra sprints. You're the ones getting your knuckles busted, your uh, knees butt broke down, like Head just smashed. destroying your body, you know, right? right. Potential CTE. Um, so, again, it, I think it's a cultural thing, and, and, I, and I honestly do believe it is one of the kind of like nuances or colloquialisms that happen within the black community in particular, especially from kids coming out the hood because the goal like Mark said, was to always make it out the hood. And, and that's what it is. I think everybody, too, like, I didn't grow up in the hood. Like, uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was six or whatnot, and I, I went to live with my mom. My dad's always very active in my life or whatever. But, like, mm -hmm. I knew, like, same thing you took. Like, I ain't going to fucking school unless I get something. Period. Scholarship, football, wrestling, academic, something like that. It's like, hey, man, like, I think everybody wants to get out because, right. like, I was like, you know, I was sick of pulling my mattress out of the damn closet because we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. I put right. that thing in the damn living room every right. every night. Right. Pick, you know, pick it up in the morning like you're embarrassed to bring a you know right. new friend by or a girl something like that. 
<laughs> Better make a pallet. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what a pallet is, because I know that's that's a that's an ethnic term. It's a it's a stack of uh, of some blankets and uh, maybe a comforter, and then a sheet on top of that, and then you get a pillow. You go to sleep, and then another top, you know, another pillow, a blanket to put on top of you. That's called a pallet. Yeah, you make a pallet at your grandma's house. <laughs> you, Eighteen deep at Granny's house, laying down on a pallet or two, hey. <laughs> watching movies. On so I just think everybody who who's poor, you know, they have that same thing. And like some some kids grow up in not South Central, but some kids grow up in apartments or right, you know right. Mexican kids that you know like Fair their parents are right. you know speak you no know, no English or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you know, you see those kids right. that get the Obama scholarships. You're like, man, how's this kid? Just like all you guys, I'm sure you guys probably got more failure stories from from people that, that you that you grew up with right. than people that were successful. Right. Like, hey, man, like like those intangibles we're talking about. It's like they weren't willing to put in that thing and they weren't lucky enough to have a coach right. or a father or something like that to kind of steer them down the right path. Like all of us were, you know, lucky to have a dad or a strong ass mom because, you know, she ain't going to let you get away with anything. Yeah. Right. So, but like, all right. So kind of got off tangent, but so you get to UW and you spend three years there. Yes. Well, four years because I had the red shirt uh, because when you transfer from you division one, you got to sit out a year. So I use that year to develop. Got strong. I was so weak. You guys were talking about your size in high school. Dude, when I left Narbonne High School to go to college, I think I was 167 pounds, man. But by the time I left UW, I was about 190. You know, I could hit the 225, 18 times. You know, I was strong as an ox. I was a pit bull, you know. You're but explosive, though, right? I like super explosive, yeah. Too. Super explosive, just aggressive, you know. Where's your 40 time in the combo? I, I didn't, you know, so I'm an undrafted guy. So Oh, I, see, there's that story Tuck is talking about. I know a whole bunch of undrafted guys. Willie Parker, Ryan Clark. Roy Lewis. Goes on roller. I mean, <laughs> you can keep going all up and down, but yep. so your son's going to make it. Yeah. No problem. Oh, no, yeah. With a dad like you, he's going to make it. He'll fall back. But you know what? I did the pro day. And so um, didn't get invited to where well, we got invited to the uh, Shrine game or whatever. Right. And after that, literally, I waited on draft day. And then I get a phone call after the draft. And it was a coach from the uh, Steelers. And he said, hey, man, uh, we potentially possibly want to take you in like later rounds, but we couldn't get much information on you. Right. He said, so, but I knew that you were the kind of player that – matched our style of play and uh we want you so i'm bringing in three guys you our six round pick and another young man from uh east carolina he said for one spot may the best man win did you smash it in college though like like did you start you know oh yeah you know were you all pack 10 i was all no i wasn't all pack 10 i was like pack 10 defensive player of the week a few times like when you're on a losing team in college, you get and you a lot of reps on defense dog you get a lot of reps on defense <laughs> yeah. and you know the, the saying is teams won't try to draft as high or draft many guys from a losing team, you know? And so we had eight guys go to the NFL and all of us stayed around long enough to get, you know, uh, vested, you know, right. and get in and, and get our retirement and our pension. So and did you ever go to a bowl in college or anything like that? No, the toilet bowl. That's it. Chili That's bowl. It. Clean it, you know? clean it up. <laughs> clean it up. Never even sniffed the bowl. And then fortunate enough, I go to Pittsburgh, undrafted, work my tail off, man, you had some killers on that team, right? Oh, my mm-hmm. Lord. Beast. I was fortunate. It actually forged me into the player I became. 
uh, because I was around guys like James Harris and Ryan but Clark. But naturally, you know, like, Troy, like, you know. you, like you're a little mean naturally. Like, yeah, I got a mean streak into me. You're a little nasty side. Yeah, I got a little nasty side, and I, and I had to be. You know, you come you. off all nice, funny guy, ha ha. Oh, I'm but like, on the football field, there's hey, a killer in there for sure. All, in, all is fair. Oh, the dog is in me. <laughs> yeah, the dog ain't gonna ever leave. And so I had that opportunity to grow with those guys and grow from those guys, and I would have conversations like we're having now with Troy. Like know? No Shirt Fridays and stuff like that? No, Hey, <laughs> you know about No Shirt Friday. Hey. Yeah, remember, dude? You try to do it in the gym with me. I'm like, yeah. oh, no, we ain't doing that. Bro, I mean, <laughs> I don't see what the issue is. We had big buff guys like Casey Hampton had the shirt off on No Shirt Friday. So so tell a story about No, no Shirt so Friday. So No Shirt Friday is a, is a Pittsburgh Steeler tradition where on Fridays after practice man we come in there we pop top we go in the weight room we hitting it hard this is after practice. like are you in like speedo no no no, no no we're or? not wearing our shorts or our, our, our practice pants because usually friday is, is a light day mm-hmm. right like high socks so like, yeah. something like that yeah but we hey we in there like it's the prison yard <laughs> period uh-huh. no shirt and they're sweating no shirt music playing loud and if only killers allowed in there. Like Hall and Oates, you guys playing Def No, Lippers? no, no. We're de- you guys playing like that? <laughs> Little Taylor Swift. I yeah. can't go yeah. for that. <laughs> right. No, no. <laughs> no can do. Players going to hate all that Right. Stuff. No, but we had it, man. We, we got after it, dude. And no, I, mm-hmm. I was strong as an ox, man, coming from Pittsburgh. I was strong. I was mean. And they ingrained it. I mean, even to the point where I remember the first game I got activated because so I start off on a practice squad. And I'm on a practice squad for about the first eight games of the season, and I get activated. Once you get activated, now you are an official NFL player, you know? You collect that real check. Oh, yeah, you collect real checks. So Mm -hmm. your pay going to go up about three times what you're making, you know what I mean? And uh, I remember I had long sleeves on because we were playing against the Bengals, and the snow was coming across the top of the mountain in Hines. I mean, the the, uh, stadium at Hines Field, like slushy sleet. And uh, I had a sleeve, long sleeves on, and uh, I remember Ike Taylor looks at me and said, hey, man, what you doing, dog? I'm like, I'm getting ready to go out. He's like, no, what you doing with those sleeves on, dog? I'm like, what you mean? He's like, no, we don't no, wear we don't sleeves in Pittsburgh, period. And they made me, I cut the sleeves off, right? He said, only time you wear sleeves is if you hurt, you're trying to cover up a brace or something like that. Or if you're the quarterback and you stay warm. Other than that, we we men. We go out there like gladiators. <laughs> we go out that. there like gladiators. So I'm sitting on the sideline freezing. Southern California, South Wait, Central boy. Oh, no freezing. question. West Coast guy. Look, freezing. <laughs> you, know, by, you don't know how much playing time you're going to get. So I you know just, I'm doing all special teams, yeah. so I'm by the heater with the kicker. <laughs> Me and Jeffrey just talking, you know, and then when it's my turn to go out there, I'm running down the field. And at that time, they had the wedge, so you could get your cranium cracked. Oh, for sure. No question about it. And they sure. would hold hands and just try to run through you like halftime paper. And so that was kind of like my, my intro to the NFL, man, it was uh, it was fun, man. I had a, a blast, dude. Well, and plus, then, you're on a Super Bowl team, man. Right. Like, like, who know? Who knew that we would make that run, right? Yeah. And so, it's funny because as a high school kid, you're used to playing what ten, maybe twelve games, right? Thirteen or something like that. Then you go to college. This is before the playoffs, so they didn't have college playoffs. So you play yeah. your season, and then maybe potentially a bowl game. Yeah. You go home. Here I am now. I got preseason. So I got four preseason games. I'm playing in every single preseason, with the exception of maybe the third one because that's kind of like a dress rehearsal for the veteran guys. And then we go into the regular season. So now you got a regular 16-game season with a one-week bye. Then you go into the playoffs. That's a either a bye or first-round wild card game, the next division, then the conference championship, then the Super Bowl. So that's a long period of time. And I remember hitting that rookie wall that everybody talked about. It's like mm-hmm. when you get to that threshold in the season where you're like, Oh. Never heard of the rookie wall. Well, the rookie oh, yeah. wall is, hey, you're pushing past that 12-game season. Yeah. Yep. Now you got to condition your mind and your body, right? Hopefully you put in the work Because you're in probably the beat, right? Oh, you're beat. 
yeah. you're beat. And especially as a young guy, you're yeah. taking all the reps. You're making sure all the, you know, the starters are getting, you know, the downtime that they need. But you're learning because guess what? If somebody goes down, they're expecting you to know the plays mm-hmm. yeah. and get in there and perform at a high, right, right, at a high level because you're a professional. And so then we go into the playoffs and then we make our playoff run and then we find ourselves at the uh, Super Bowl, which, by the way, we beat the Ravens three times in that same year. <laughs> and I also saw Ray Lewis crack Rashad Mendenhall's Hall, shoulder when he met him in the hole. He hit him Damn. in the front yeah, and cracked his shoulder in the Damn. back. Mm-hmm. God. He's straight up killer. Oh, he ran straight through him, bro. It was the loudest hit I've ever. I was like, okay. And yeah, he, I don't think people, like the average yeah. person realizes how big and fast and strong guys are at, at, at yeah. that next level. Right. Like, like I tell people all the time, like, they're not much different than us besides they're 100 pounds bigger, five inches taller, and a lot faster. And a lot meaner, too. <laughs> yeah. And a lot meaner. People understand, man. They think, they, they, people always talk about size, man. So like you said, you played with, you know, you were at that era. So I, I was drafted by the Falcons, and we had a guy named Jesse Tuggle. Mm-hmm. Jesse Tuggle was a linebacker from Valdosta State. was an all-pro linebacker. He was 5'8". What? 250. That win. He like a bowler fist. <laughs> And dog, and like like you said, that crack. I seen him. I see him. When you watch a dude knock a running back back through a hole, mm-hmm. like he met him in a hole and knocked his ass back through the hole. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, this is the league, right? Like that's that's the that's, that's the wake up call. Like you okay? Right. And that's when you start bucking your chin strap up a little tight. You're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm about to get torn yeah. yeah, you better get prepared. So was your? So it sounds like your intro in the NFL is pretty. You know, practice squad, then got activated. You know, kind of slow, so you're able to right. pick it up slower, slower, or, or not as fast. Right. And then you ended up starting. I ended up becoming the uh, the nickel. Oh, so nice. I, and so I moved. So right after, so we we win our Super Bowl uh, against the Cardinals. What's that like? Man, it's the most amazing experience you'll probably ever. I don't even know how to explain it, dude. It's like the pinnacle of all sporting because I've never been to a bowl game. And how old were you? I was 22, 23. <laughs> so the world was like, hey, man, you know, I come Party from, like you know, 1999. winning in high school, <laughs> losing in college, you know, or having what they consider losing season, not bowl eligible, and then going to the world-class organization, the first organization to ever have six Super Bowls. Like in five words, like like what sums up like a Super Bowl team? Like, like the five things that you describe, like the difference between second and first. Family, number one. I mean, you guys are just tight, just tight. And I mean, outside of work, I mean, we yeah. knew everybody's family. We hung out outside of work. Every, it was all inclusive. Even as a young guy, hey right. Roy, come on, man. Hey man, they even they we were so close knit. They knew I was an undrafted player. They took up a collection so that when guys dropped interceptions in practice, we would collect twenty bucks. When we dropped them in the game, they would collect forty bucks to help me towards the end of the year for that rookie party that you that's have to take time, care of. Dude. It was cool, man. Yeah. So they took care of me. So that's the family. It's a family. Right. Like and that. so when you look at teams who statistically win, they're tight. I mean, right. like mm-hmm. super tight family, you know, in and outside of uh, uh, the workspace. And then I would say um, family is by far number one. Um, I don't know, chemistry. You know what I mean? Like chemistry comes with family. I think family is so inclusive that every other sub topic, yeah. every other thing you can get kind of goes in there. But I will mm-hmm. say this. You got to be tough, man. I think I think toughness is like the way that I was forged in the NFL. And Coach LeBeau kind of instilled that with us. He's like, hey, man, I need tough, gritty, hard-nosed players who are not going to quit. We're going to win by attrition. That means it may not be the prettiest, but we're going to find a way. You're going to find a way to go out there and saw a guy's leg in half if you need to. 
do whatever it takes to get the win. And so when you have a coach that embodies that from a defensive standpoint and then players who embody that, then no matter where you come from, you're just pushed right on into it. I know I have no bad habits. All I know is to kill or be killed. We became like sharks. It's like blood in the water, and we just ate. And we started to expect to win. It was funny because it sounds cliche, but we would be in games, and we might be losing it. And in our minds, we're like, we've already won this game. We just have to go out there and physically articulate yep. it. And so a team would find a way to fumble the ball right in the Troy's hand. He ran it back. Or James Harrison would – Look at the quarterback, and the quarterback would just hand him the ball. He go to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Get like, this thing yeah, away from right. me, you know what I, I mean? And so it, thing. it was funny how things just lined up, man. And they always say it's about the journey and it's about the process, and it truly is. By the time we got to the Super Bowl, I think our pregame meeting, Coach Thomas shut the lights off, and all we did was listen to big game music. And at that time, it was Phil Collins in the air tonight. That's and we what I'm there. talking about. We Some watched Phil it. Collins, we got the tingles, the goosebumps, like I'm talking about it now. And then the light came on. He said. We all know what we need to do tomorrow. Meeting's over. Mm-hmm. We just walked out. You don't think you guys worked harder than anybody else? Or just everybody's working that hard? I, you know what? In our, in our heart, I mean, we just feel like, hey, no matter. We don't, we don't discredit the next man's work, but we just know we put in, and we feel like we deserve to be successful. Gotcha. So we'll never discredit another man's work. Yeah, cool. I know Jordy Nelson's working. I know Wes Welker's working. I know Tom Brady's working. But at the end of the day, I know that we're working, too. So it sounds so, like confidence played into that, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big time. And then I go to uh, Seattle. Week one of 2009, and um, this is before Pete Carroll. This is with Jim Moore Jr., so TJ Usmanzada, Dion Branch, Julius Jones, Matt Hasselback, Lofa the Tupu. You know, we had some good guys on that team. Marcus Trufant, um, and he gets canned. <laughs> good old Jim. Yeah, Royce has some luck. <laughs> yeah, good old Jim, man. But I've, I've been fortunate in all the disparity and adversity. I've always hung around. You know the saying, the more yeah. you can do. You make yourself valuable. So I learned that at a young age. The more you can do, I played every position in secondary. I played every position on special teams. And so I made myself valuable in that sense where I always had a helmet on Sunday. So if anybody in my position went down, those right are there. those are crucial, pivotal reps that I get as a young guy because I'm playing special teams and nobody else wanted to play. Or they were too cool to try to get into special mm-hmm. teams coach here. So You wasn't scared. I ain't scared. They can't hurt me, man. Well, <laughs> And that's the thing. Like Toughness is like, is like one thing is I don't think a lot of people have that anymore. Like that mental toughness, man. Like not even like the physical toughness, but just that mental toughness just to pull your ass up, get mm-hmm. up in the morning, put in the work, do, do whatever you got to do. You get knocked down, you know, eight times, stand up nine, man. Right. Like people just don't have that toughness. Like the dudes that, that worry me are like not the dudes that are like tough, like in a group. Like, yeah, we're all sweating together. We're dying together. It's that motherfucker that goes out there and finds like something really stupid to do by himself. Right. I'm like, that is a tough dude. Right. Like, that dude decided to run 100 miles right. by himself. Or that, like, just like... David Goggins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. those, those kind of yeah. cats are the scary ones because they right. don't need anything to motivate them, right. but what, whatever inside. Mm. Internally motivated. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That, that's crazy. But, Tuck, your story is the exact opposite of of the UW story. So, you started off at SC. You come into a dynasty. Um. Well, no, we we were trash my freshman year. They fired. <laughs> they fired my head. <laughs> we were We were garbage. We were seven and five. Great. Uh, we got beat by Notre Dame. We were beating Notre Dame thirty eight to twelve in the middle of the fourth quarter, and uh, we ended up shitting the bed. And uh, they had a chance to win. A, at, the, at the end of the game, they kicked a thirty nine yard field, thirty eight thirty nine yard field goal to beat us thirty nine to thirty eight. They they we after you know the seniors is last game of the year is at home. The seniors go up and they play, um, fight on, you know, and, and, the, and the seniors, you know, play to the crowd or whatever. 
they booed our seniors, they booed our head coach. Oh wow! So um, mutiny. Oh, it was <laughs> hey, guys. so poor so, SC students. I feel so bad. We had, a, we, had a, we had a lame duck coach. <laughs> we had a lame duck coach that they all got shit canned, and then we played Auburn in the Citrus Bowl, and uh, Ted Tolman. Okay. So then they fired Ted. And uh, like I said, we go down. We going down to, to uh, you know Florida, Orlando, Florida, playing the Citrus Bowl against Auburn, and they had a dude named Brent Fullwood, who was a beast at running back. We ended up getting our ass kicked in that game. Like it was like sixteen to nine. You know, dudes didn't care. Um, right. Yeah, lost the locker room. At that oh point. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a wrap. You know, then on the flight back was just a. Oh my god, it was. A, it was just. Fool was just clowning because there's no. What's the, what's the coach gonna say to you? Yeah. Right. You know, nothing. <laughs> my he, coach. He got, <laughs> He ain't got no authority or whatever. So, I mean, it didn't get out of control, but you just you could tell that dudes just didn't care. So then uh, they brought Larry Smith in from U of A. And Larry's that coach that you bring in when your program is is teetering like that. And he brings in and he instills that discipline. So he came in and, and, and dropped a hammer on our ass. And was like, I mean, I'll never, you know, his biggest thing, I'll never forget him saying is that he told us, he goes, you know, we're, I, you know, this is the program he's going to implement. And it's not, everybody's not going to like what happens, whatever he goes, but I guarantee you those will still be champions. And, you know, you think about it, it sounded corny at the time. We're like, yeah, whatever, man. But nah, sometimes shit in life but, is non-negotiable. Hey, like, this is th- this is what we're going to do. Right. You don't like you it. You got to get buying. Yeah, get yeah. on board. Right. Like, get hey, on, like, man, get so, spit on. And, like, that's where, and that's where I think, like, athletics a lot of times mimics the military because, like, sometimes you don't get an explanation. Right. Here's what we're going to do. Get on board. Or get, but that's or the get problem, going. though. Hey, so... Now to jump on, now just kind of sideways with that topic. So I was listening to Bobby Bowden a few years ago when the you know the college play, playoff started, and they asked Bobby Bowden if you guys have known who Bobby Bowden is, a Florida you know Florida State famous Florida history. Oh yeah. So he uh, they asked me what's the difference between the you know when you got started in coaching and and uh, you know you the, the heyday of your coaching and and the end of your coaching. What's the biggest difference? He goes. When I used to, when I first, you know, got into coaching, and I was in, you know, that that era when Florida State was balling. He goes, we just told people what to do. We just told our players just do this, and they, and you just and the player just went and did it. Right. He goes right. now at the end of it. He goes these kids now. He goes you got to tell them what to do and why you want them to do it. Right. And it's like I, you know, you shouldn't have to explain to somebody. You know, I don't know if it's what you know where that went sideways, but it's, you, have to, you have to tell these kids, explain to these kids. Why you tell them to do something? Right, you know, and, we, and you, you got to do that now, coaching. Well, I don't do it now, <laughs> me per se. But it's just, but it's, yeah. but it's just like there's just some old, there's just some old school, um, so, there's just old school ways about me. I'm, I, they're just not going to change because yeah, I'm just not, it. you know, That's I'm, you. it's, it's who I am. Um, but you do learn to adjust as a coach, and 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 you know, you know, you 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 intermix, you know, whatever your 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 ideals, the way you coach with the the you know the kids you have now, there's a coaching style that has to be adjusted. But I mean, yeah, man, I go, it's 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 yeah, I'm not, you know, I shan't explain to you. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll explain. And it, well, another thing too, man, is these kids don't understand concepts. Like they don't understand football. They think they know football. These kids don't know football to save their life. Right. Right. There there are some that do. But on a, and, and and you know, there's a, a mat. The masses of those kids out there really don't understand football. They don't understand because they don't. They don't go outside and play football. You know, right. everything's on, you know, and that's a whole other topic. You know, you start talking about the, the joystick warriors and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> Triangle, triangle, circle, back, up, down, e-sport right Esport champions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. EA, yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's, it's, I mean, coaching, man, is a, is a challenge now because you have to you have to account for, the, you know, these kids' feelings or whatever, man. And, and kids get – and there's a lot of them 
that that's, that's like wrestling, right? <laughs> yeah, she's just gonna get smashed on. That's Too much overpraising. Yeah, it. I mean, it's it's you know, but my kids understand. Like, there was a uh, the kid that was a D lineman that was at Tampa just got traded or just got released and signed by somebody else, and uh, the whole deal was his, his coaches yelled at him in practice or whatever because he screwed up. He jumped outside or something. And, the media was like, oh, you know, he yelled at you, whatever. And he's like, and it was, it was all it was all over the news on Twitter. He's like, well, he's my coach. He was coaching me. That's what he's supposed to do. Like, what are you tripping off because he jumped my ass because I jumped? Yeah, because I jumped outside like three times. Like, right. I should be more disciplined as a player. And, and my coaches hold me accountable. But so then his whole thing was the problem is that these kids, he said, don't look at the delivery. Seek the message. Find out what the message is. But right. You know, and I and I, you know, it's a kinder, gentler place out there. Well, so, will you please do that? Hey, uh-uh. right. I, I, I'm a, you know, everybody knows who Bernie Mac is, and I, I remember <laughs> Bernie <laughs> Mac, great Bernie. Bernie Mac talked about, you know, he said the kids is not the kids. He goes, we got some punk ass parents. He goes because sure. these parents, right. but these kids get away with this shit. And right. even um the um the South Carolina basketball coach, you know, he he had a thing a few years ago. We talked about where everybody, some of these kids have changed. He goes, no, they haven't. He goes, the kids ain't changed. He goes, the parents have changed. The adults have changed because we don't hold these kids accountable. We don't instill, you know, the values that we had growing up, whatever. We're not instilling these in these kids because, like you said, Brandon, we're, you know, we're, you know, everybody's in their feelings or whatever. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about your feelings. I don't either. I don't, I don't, I, really I, don't, don't. I don't care. I think that's how y'all get along. I tell everyone all the time, if you want to be my friend, you better not have low self esteem. Because <laughs> if you do, you might end up committing suicide. Because that's right. what guys do. Military, right. sports, whatever. Like the first thing that you're gonna do is you're gonna start cracking on your buddy. No as question. Soon as, as soon as he comes in the door, I'm like, you gotta have a little bit of tough skin. It can't yeah. wear your feelings on your sleeve. All right. Yeah. So, so the U of A coach came in and said, "This also, oh, yeah." Do so shit. Coach Smith came in and and uh, said, "You know, this is how it's gonna be or whatever." And we had a we had a linebacker coach named Tom Rogerman, and uh, I we got it. I believe Rogue is still alive. Man, our first spring, we lined up, and they had us out there. It, was, it went straight military because Rogue was a military guy. I like and, it. I like and, it. Oh, dog. He had us out there. He motherfucked us. <laughs> my boy played Sounds tight. like a good coach. Hey. <laughs> love him my, boy, my, t- my boy was a tight end, and he was like, man, he goes, I don't know about all this shit. He goes, man, but I ain't going to be more, too many more motherfuckers. I was like, shh, <laughs> hey, you're going to be whatever the hell they want you to be right there. Shut right. your ass up. <laughs> Get on the line. Hey, hey, for real. So when we, you know, he, he whipped us into shape, man, and, and uh, you know, and we, you know, the thing about it was Ted Tolan could recruit. He just his coaching style was a little probably a little too loose, and we didn't have the discipline and structure. But when Coach Smith came in and, and lined all that up, you know, I played Rodney Pete, Mark Carrier, Junior Seau, um, you know, Cleveland Coulter, who's a you know legend out here in Arizona oh, yeah. high school football history, McClintock kid, yeah, um, you know, dog. And so we we had talented football teams, and that's you know Willie McGinnis, Curtis Conway, mm-hmm. you know, the list goes on and on. So that was the reason why. You know, with that talent pool, it would have been really hard not to be successful. But um, you know, you add you add discipline and structure to that. So three rolls bowls and uh um just rubbing it in. Hey, I mean, you know, and like I said, I know Roy's talking about I mean, because you know, you grew up in LA, man, it's it's always either USC or UCLA in the Rolls right. Bowl. And, That's true. and so for me, like I to, for me to play in one was like, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm dreaming. But now you tell me I mean I got a chance to play in three Rolls Bowls. So right. You know, playing that was I mean, that's that's your dream. You you playing if you play Pac Ten football, which is now the Pac twelve, your dream is to play in the Rose Bowl January first yeah. in front of over a hundred thousand people mm-hmm. in the stands. That's nice. And it's just it a so like Roy's the description of the Super Bowl is just, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's so surreal. 
And like you're standing there and you're looking at your stuff in this uniform, this jersey, and you're like, like I can't believe this. I'm, I mean, the big ass rolls in the middle of the field. You're like, come on, man, this this ain't my life. Like for real. Right. And and like I said, being able to do it three times was you know was phenomenal. And then, um, so my NFL, you know, my draft experience was I was I was a highly rated guy for the most part, but I was undersized, and so. The undersized it. Well, at that three hundred pounds. Well, no, because at that time I was no. Because I tell you, about, at that time oh, I was should, I was two hundred sixty five pounds. Oh, you're such a run to two sixty five. I was two sixty five, and I was trying to gain weight, and I I finally I finally gained enough weight. I went to the combine at two seventy. So at that time, this is the ninety one draft. They were starting to look at the three hundred pound linemen. So guys that were three hundred pounds all of a sudden became. In vogue, so here right. I am. Now they're back in the two seventies. Yeah, so now you know right. it goes in ways. So right. then, uh, so um, you know, I go have a good combine, whatever. Um, you know, bench the world and all that kind of shit. But you know, still how many times? Two twenty five. How many times? Uh, twenty eight times. Just twenty eight times. And, just uh, twenty eight. That's, that's pretty. That's I pretty just struggle. <laughs> but I mean, you know, so can't bench my body weight now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can you load uh, the uh, tens on there? Hey, to wrap this out. But like, we, like we always joke about, it, it was like, when's the last time you bench press on the fire though? No. True. Hey, so yeah. it don't, you know. But um, so forty yes, time. Uh, um, my best forty time was four eight six at two seventy. At two seventy, get out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> I'll repeat that. What are you? Really? I'm gonna I'm gonna dodge that every single time. I'm gonna set them up. <laughs> you seen that new video that's on the internet with that gazelle juking a lion? Oh, you, oh yeah. Oh, I'm gonna give hey. him the weight. Pew. Now go. <laughs> Opposite way. Oh, what was your forty time? Four four nine four five one. On the laser. On the laser. Damn, you're yeah, fast. That's rolling. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. That's yeah. They're pretty yeah. good, dude. That's fast. That's yeah. You could probably beat me running backwards. I still think I'm probably one of the fastest dudes on the fire department right now, and I'm willing to bet that. Oh, I yeah. put you, you Me probably uh, Nate Phillips too. Nate Phillips is fast oh, too. Oh yeah, he's fast. I like that. Yeah, yeah. He, I like that. He he's an athlete. So. He played cornerback too. Yeah, and he boxes now too. Legit. He's, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's. I like Nate. Nate's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. He's a good but dude. I would definitely. I'm always. I carry my cleats in the car, so I'm ready anytime. We'll line it up right now. Anytime, anywhere. <laughs> I'm so that's, ready. That's, that's some good young juices yeah. still hey, flowing. That's, that's the cornerback mentality. Oh yeah, you, you can, hey, I'm yeah. ready for battle anytime. But, uh, but how, how how old are you, Roy? Thirty. Uh, I'm thirty four. Okay, yeah. So good about 10, 12 years. From Somebody now. reminded hey. me I'm a yeah. mid thirty guy. Hey, now. yeah. That hurt. I told I told you Roy, Roy lacks confidence. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's shy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you get to the combine two twenty five twenty times um so, seven, so then uh, so i mean you know so I, I slip in the draft you know for whatever reason i think it was just mainly because i was undersized and then i went to the falcons in the seventh round um you know down to swanee georgia uh they only have training camp anymore but um you know i'm down there with Deion sanders mike haynes that you know guy who's a, a um nau guy um another guy who's mike um sean collins another nau receiver but dudes that could just fly, you know, and that was like, so that was my, my first time, you know, seeing Deion Sanders in person. And what is that? Yeah. Like, please uh, tell me what is that uh, like? That's yeah, like my that like idol. Every yeah. dog. I mean, just, I mean, you know, he was, he was every bit of what it was that you, that, you know, just that flamboyant, Prime time. you know, just had the mouth, but the, the, the thing about it, he had everything to back it up. Right. Oh, yeah. Like he had sure. all the physical, <laughs> right. the gift, the blessing, the whatever. He had all that to back it up, but he still, he just had that air about him, man. And, uh, you know, I'm over there in the Iamuta Center, so I'm over there uh, snapping the ball to Chris Miller, and uh, we're doing the 707 stuff and watching this dude 
bait quarterback. So he would he would act like he's you know he'd cover a guy, he started his back pedal, whatever, and and he let the get guy get a pass from whatever a little bit, and he bait the quarterback. And quarterback think, oh, he open. And I've never seen, and I tell you, I said, you until you've seen it happen, I go, you have to understand football. I've seen Dion give a dude a cushion, you know, 10, 15 yard, you know, I said 10 to 7 yard cushion and eat that shit up, dog, like nothing. Like Recovery you think, you speed. think that you think that, and like I say, he baited him. He was he's like, oh, I'm gonna let him think this dude's open. And he lucky he got this cushion, and all of a sudden Dion would eat that shit up when the ball's in the air and get right up on top of the, D, of the receiver and knock the shit down and pick it off. I used uh, to do that all the time in high school, but I wasn't baiting the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I was just straight up getting beat like, <laughs> like I stole something. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dog. He was, I tell people, though. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm baiting the quarterback. Hey, so, the, dude was, the dude was phenomenal, man. That always works. <laughs> so, I mean, just that was, that was you know, that was one of the highlights of my career was watching that. And then um, – you know, and it's, it's a trip too, because and Roy can attest to this. You know, they started doing the uh, the, the, the hard knocks, and people really started to understand and see the the, the background. I love that show, man. Oh, dog! It's I so love that show. Awesome. I watched it, it, it oh, faithfully yeah. as a kid. Yeah, oh, yeah because sure. it, you because you when you lived it, and then it's like now, and it's funny because then I talk to different guys that play ball, whatever, and we all start getting these phone calls from people. And everybody's like, "Hey, man." Hey, I, oh man, I didn't know it was that cutthroat, man. I thought, man, they, that's some that's some bullshit, man. They, I'm like, dog, I go try to tell you, fools, mm-hmm. it's a business, man. I go, this is a business. This is a it's a million, a billion dollar a year business. It's all about you know. I said, like, you know, it's, it's so much that goes into it. I said, so now you get to understand. I go, yeah. I said, dog, they don't they don't give a shit about you. I go, they if you can play for them, you can play. I've been in situations where there was a dude that was absolute trash, but there's something underlying with it. A coach or an agent favor or some shit that like that that played into it, and this dude that also you like I know this dude I know they're gonna cut this dude and this dude makes the roster and you like right. you like wait a minute they not cutting his ass but they sent me home and then like I said then you know and then you you get released and you go home and you, you don't know if you're gonna get picked up like I got released by the Falcons in training camp I'm home for a month thankfully I think it worked out in a way that because my son my first son was born so then I was home to see that but then. I was, like, I'm at home for yeah, I was at home probably maybe about three weeks. All of a sudden, Indianapolis coach called me up. Hey, uh, how fat? You know, we need you to come in or whatever. I'm like, she, you give me a ticket tonight. I'm there. Stay hey, what, we, we got something to book for you. You know, whatever. You know, catch a flight in the morning. So, pack on my shit. I want to play in the next morning. So I go to Indianapolis that first year, and then uh, come back after the season. I went to NFL Europe, played in uh, Frankfurt, Germany, and then you know just you know getting some experience, getting some playing experience, whatever. Went back to training camp with Indianapolis. Um, got released. Uh, that the, and, you know, went out to the last cuts or whatever. And so now you think, okay, what am I gonna do with myself? Like, you know, because you got at some point you got to figure out, okay, when do I stop chasing the dream? So I set out that that year, kept training. You know, no phone calls. Um, you know, but at the same time, now I got to find some little job or whatever because I got a, I got a baby and you know I got a mouth to feed, and. Uh, so then, and this goes into the another whole thing. I'm gonna glance over that. <laughs> but yeah, right. We go to so I go to camp with the Cardinals. Uh, my office line coach, um, who's now with the Carolina Panthers, called me up and was like, "Hey, um, you want to come down here and play for me?" Said, Hell yeah! Shit, I got bro, I got bills. <laughs> hey, no question. Hey, what? Yeah. Um, give me on the that. first thing smoking, bro. So. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so he's like, I can't get you down there for off season, but he goes, I'm gonna try to get you at least down there for training camp, coach. Whatever, dog. I, you know, I know there's no guarantees, but let me 
let me, I'm gonna keep training. You know, when when it, when it comes down to it, just holler. So he gets me. I tell, I was telling my kids at school about it. I said, so he got me a make good contract. And people don't know understand what that is. You gotta go to training camp, make the team, and then you start getting paid. You don't get not one dime prior to that. It's so make good, make good, so make good contract. Or now they call it what they call a uh, preseason split or. Full season split. Yeah, it's yeah. called good luck. Hey, <laughs> pretty much. Hey, we're gonna bring we're gonna bring you to Fingers camp. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna bring you to hey for real. They gave you sign of the cross. Hey, Hope you don't get hurt, dog. Homie. <laughs> so I show up. I'm like, I tell people, I said, you don't understand, man. So you're in that position. So I come down. My I, I literally fly into Phoenix. I mean, I was living in L. A. I fly into Phoenix. I go take my physical. They take me straight from the airport to the doctor. I get my physical. I got all my shit packed. I go to the hotel. The next morning we're up on a bus going to Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I showed up for the Arizona Cardinals. At that time, that was the Phoenix Cardinals. Go up to training camp. Is that when you met Eric, uh, Eric Swan for the first time? Yeah, that was that was my introduction to Eric Swan. So, <laughs> Let me hear that story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody laughs about it. So, you know, Swan, he was an all-pro D lineman. You know, dude was, you know, he was a beast or whatever. So, I'm a, I say, I'm hungry. I'm like, I don't, I don't care who you are. Shit, you line up. So, we and I were doing one-on-one pass protection and, uh, she man, the ball snapped, and I latched on his ass. I punched his ass. I mean, I, I I had I had my game. I knew what my game was, and I locked up on his ass. And that motherfucker was we sitting there, he was tussling. And, he, <laughs> and all of a sudden, he, we he stopped. And that motherfucker stopped. He was looking at me like I was some kind, like I was an alien. That motherfucker was looking at me like, man, who is this dude, man? Like I was like, <laughs> you gotta eat. I'm like, dog, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm I, I got, hey, I got mouths to feed. I don't care who the hell you are. They could put Jesus Christ in front of me. I'm blocked. <laughs> He gonna get rough. Yeah, he gonna get hey, pancake, hey, pancake hey, Jesus, put my, bro. Put my mama out there. She gonna get shit. Mama Poor get syrup it. Hey, I didn't care, dog. So, um, and and so that from that point, you know, I'm going through training camp, and uh, guys are getting hurt. I'm getting more reps. I had been practicing at center, moving, you know, had been playing center from when I got drafted. So I just kept working at it, and I was getting reps at center because Mark May had a bad back, and I started getting some reps at center. I played the entire San Diego. Uh, Chargers preseason game at center. So get back, and um, we had one preseason game against Denver, the Denver Broncos. It was, it was a Thursday night game. I just, just told this story the other day. I was talking to somebody. So I said, um, the next day, you know, it's Friday. We done came in. We done broke the film down. We done worked out. And I'm sitting in my locker, and I know we got to – that's the weekend for final cuts. And I'm sitting there in my locker, man. I'm just staring at the ground like, Lord, I know I've done everything I could do, you know, this is, but I'm thinking this is this is gonna be it. If I don't if I don't make it this year, it's time to just move on and and do whatever. And Joe Buchel was offensive. Well, he's a head coach and he's offensive line specialist. And so he had he had my coach had told me that he's a man. Buchel likes you a lot. And so you know, but I take that as with a grain of salt. So I'm sitting in my locker and he comes walking by. And I'm like the only dude in the locker room. And he said, "Hey, Tuck, what's going on?" And he was a real fiery, energetic guy, whatever. And I was like, "Hey, coach, I go, uh, you know." Just sitting there, man, contemplating, you know, things, whatever. And he's like, well, you look like you're, you know, like you're, you know, concerned about something. I go, coach, I'm always concerned this time of year. And right. his, hey, he's, this, is a, this is a true story. And I was like, I'm always concerned about this time of year. And he goes, he's about, you know, making a team? I was like, yeah. He goes, ah, you got nothing to worry about. That's nice to hear. Right. He's like, hey, Ooh. I'm like, what? <laughs> Can you put that in writing? Yeah. Hey, 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 bust out that, that tape recorder. Hey, get that little tape recorder. Hey, can you talk into this? Say that right. again. Hey, dog, me. I get off my ass out of the locker room. I go book a flight back to L.A. I fly back to L.A. that weekend, and uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm upside down besides myself. And sure as shit, make the roster, 
And I, I, mean, I, I, remember, I got in my truck and drove back Sunday night and because we, we had practice that Monday morning. So then um, two years with the Cardinals, um, you know, I came in, I was there with, and I was there with Joe Bugles last year and Buddy Ryan's first year. And that whole Buddy, I mean, everybody knows the whole story behind Buddy Ryan, God rest his soul. But that whole, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a joke. And then um, I got picked up by, um, I was left unprotected by um, the Cardinals because they had created the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Carolina Panthers. So then I got drafted by Jacksonville in the expansion draft. So I go down there to Jacksonville. And uh, the nice thing about that was um, they made them guarantee your contracts. So I got released by Jacksonville, um, last cut of training camp. So I set out a year, and uh, but I got paid my entire salary. That's nice. I was like, so you're going to pay me all this money to – did be at home, sit at home. I was like, shit, save my body. I'm like, shit, bet. So I did that. The next year, I went back to, um, I went to training camp. My, my offensive line coach um, uh, that was with the Cardinals had gone to New Orleans. So I went to New Orleans and went down to the training camp with them and got Shanghai in training camp. And there's, and there's a thing where, where what's Shanghai mean? Uh, just, I, I got, you know, I, and everybody's got, you know, their story. I, I feel like I should have made that football team. And I'm, you know, everybody's everybody's got their own opinion, or whatever. I I knew when in this, and what I was going to touch on is when you you know when you're doing a good job, when your teammates there's a confirmation from your teammates, and and they're like, hey man, dog, you balling, man. Just I mean, I went down for the off season workout program. I stayed there the entire time, um, you know, working out. You know, hot as hell down in humid. I'm busting my ass like Roy said. You know, you working. You know, in the weight room. I'm doing I'm doing everything possible to show these people how dedicated I am to making this football team. I'm having good training camp, you know, good mini camps. I'm doing good things, whatever. And like I said, I'm getting confirmation from my teammates. Dudes are like, hey, man, you keep doing this, dog. You're going to make this team, man, because, you, dog, you're doing the most, whatever. And that's what matters and, the most. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, what your peers yeah, you know, say about you, man. Like, like, who cares about what anybody else says? If, like, your peers, if, like, if you can earn the respect of your peers and, like, how you act and how you play or how you do whatever, it's like, I'm good. Yeah. Right. And so then, but I ended up getting released in training camp, you know, and I remember I, went, I got called up and – I go, you know, the best thing about it was is I got to know, I got to become really good friends with, with Willie Rofe. You know, me and Willie became real tight. But um, it was like Willie. I get, um, hmm. oh, Willie Rofe is, a, is an all pro. All, I mean, she's a Hall of Fame tackle now. Willie just went to Hall of Fame, I think. Damn. The last, uh, the, the, I think two or three Stuck. classes ago. Yeah. Stuck. I mean, just, yeah, just, just a badass. But he, coolest dude on, coolest dude on earth. On earth. I, I, the entire time I hung out with him, I never paid for one meal. You know, Willie was just that type of guy. I stayed at his house. You know, just that type of dude. But um, I just remember, like I said, getting, getting, you know, all my all these dudes are confirming what I'm doing, but yet I get called into the GM's office, and then he had the audacity to be like, hey, um, you think you can play in this league? I'm like, well, shit, what, what the hell have I been doing, doing for, <laughs> like. Did you not watch the film? Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> um. You know, so he's like, well, you know, there's some teams that have been asking about you, and I think the Washington Redskins was looking to, si- to sign somebody. And uh, I said, well, you know, whatever happens, I go just have them contact me, you know, because now, now I'm pissed, and I'm going to pack my shit and go home. And then uh, from there, um, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with this, man. I said, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't keep doing this because it's getting old, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. And it's just, and, you know, and there's this point in time where you got to decide, okay, is, whether it's meant to be or not. So I go home, and then that's when I started my career with the Rattlers. And so. You played there yeah, for how long? Ten years. 
10 years there, Alex? Yeah. I know it was that long. Yeah. yeah and then multiple, long... multiple, multiple world championships? We won one my first year. We went, we went to, we were, we were like the Buffalo Bills of the Arena League. We went to three straight Arena Bowls. Um, after that, at, like, it was like, we went, we went, we won it in 97. We went, went back and, I can't think of what years it was. It was, it was like 2000, it was like 2002, 2003, and 2004, and we lost all three of them. Wow. Um, so that, you know, that stunk. But, um, but, but you know, to, to piggyback with what we was talking about, the championship teams, man, there's just there's something. It's just a special group of people that come together at a certain time, man, and they're all on the same page. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, That's that chemistry that, starting oh, out. The family, the biggest thing is the family. Like, like everybody asked me my favorite team I played on. I'll tell you right now, it was the 1997 Arizona Rattlers. We won the we won the Arena Bowl that year because you had a bunch of dudes. All they want to do is play football. There was no egos. Nobody gave a shit about how much money anybody was making. We we did shit off the field. Right. We're going to Hooters. We're going to the bars. What's you know, Hooters? I, I, I've never heard of that. Place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's Hooters? Hey, we, hey, we, 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 we you know, we, it's nothing. They have good pizza. It was nothing. The, <laughs> hey, the, I will say this though. The funny story with that is the most outlandish thing that happened with that. They had a pool party. So those are those are. You guys a, had pool parties. The, the party. Oh, hey, the the point. Those. Benefits. Hey, the point apartments. Uh huh. South Mountain Point? Yeah. Okay. Dog. So I got to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> so our defense coordinator was a guy named Doug K. So these dudes had a pool party there. So now, all you know, and understand, all these guys are young, single guys or whatever. So we had this pool party over the summer. You know, and we was doing the most. Hey, we was frying catfish. We was drilling. I mean, we did it big. And, Bunch you know, of 300-pound men shirtless. You know, I'm in. Of course, yeah, invite you know, me next time. Of course, all, you know, we, you mm-hmm. know, the females are there and it's, you know, jump off whatever. And so... Uh, you know, so I, I'm at the time I'm married or whatever, so I, I bounce a little early. So the next day, we have uh, we have a team meeting, and <laughs> Coach K comes in, and he's like, I mean, he just goes off. He's like, I don't know what the hell you motherfuckers are doing down at this damn swimming pool, or whatever. He goes, but I don't, he goes, I know that, you know, I know, you know, there's alcohol and all this kind of shit involved. He goes, but I'm going to tell you right now, the fucking swimming pool is green. It's green. <laughs> like, hey, it was no lie. The swimming pool dog was lying green. He was like, how much fucking alcohol it takes to turn a pool green? <laughs> hey, that was Coach K's exact words, dog. I, and we're sitting I'm just like, oh, shit. Oh, right. oh, I'm oh, like, hey. Now. So it just, like I said, just, but it was that type of squad, man. We right. had, like, dudes didn't care about anything but balling out and winning. And it was it was the most fun I've had, man. You know, Huggy Cooper, Randy Gatewood, Sad Bonner, Bo Kelly, them dudes were, you know, those dudes to this day are still like my brothers, man. So it's just, it just, like I say, it's a special group of people that come together at one time, man, and you're all on the same page, and it just clicks. So, that, and, you know. And then, so, w- when you got done playing, did you immediately go into, you know, into public safety, or well, what was your journey? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, for me, I uh, I befriended the uh, paramedic on the sideline at the UW games. Okay. And so... Uh, my senior year, I think, like my last game, couple games, he's like, "Hey, have you ever considered a career in the fire service?" And I'm like, "Because like, you're dumb enough to be a fireman." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "It's funny." <laughs> well, I, I already had engaging conversation, kind of alluding to that, and he's like, "You'd be great fit." So he's like, "I'm gonna sign you up for it, the test for uh, the Seattle Fire Department." He's like, "It's right on campus." He dialed me in, man. I took the test, passed all the stuff I needed to pass, got ready to get hired, and then the NFL called, and he, his specific words were, hey, man, we'll yeah. always be here. Yeah, he said, just go. go take this opportunity, He said, because you got to take it for the guys who don't get the opportunity. For bro. sure, man. You got to try. And so I went, uh, rekindled my love for ball, got six years in there, five credit seasons, 
Um, got a pension. Got my pension. Got you know, got that, got some other accolades while I was doing it, man. Got your own Wikipedia page. Man of the year deal in, in <laughs> Seattle for my, my your community service work. You nice. know what I mean? Um, it was a good time, dude. You know, the Steve Larden Award. They were now. I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to keep accepting. And then <laughs> six years later, I find myself here in um, Arizona, man. And you know the story. I tell like, everybody. I can't get a real job. I just knock on the door, man, and say, hey, I'm here. Can somebody help me? And the guys in the uh, Phoenix Fire Department opened the door, man, and the rest was history. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I knew this was my calling because I'm such a a, a team-oriented guy that no other career or no other profession really struck me, unless it was, again, in that same uh, profession line, you know, professional sports realm. Could you make a horrible cop? Oh, terrible. You'd be the worst. I'm terrible. Yeah, I'd be like Pac-Man. All all three of us would be the worst. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, dude. Can you just not do that again? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be, yeah, I would be the coolest cop yeah, around like, if hey, I was. Man, but let me have your keys, dummy. Right, just walk yeah. home. Go home, yeah. bro. We, I, I got to be the worst. You got to remember, you got to let the big, the little fish go so you can catch the big fish. Yeah. Well, I learned that from a lot of movies, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So, but then I, uh, and that's how I got started in public service. And so um, it's because of this kind of atmosphere that we're in right now is the reason why I was so attracted to the fire department. Um, you know what the crazy thing for me in the fire department was because I, you know, like I was in the military, played college sports, you know, you know, played sports as a kid. Like, I always had a pretty tight group of guys that, that I always around. Well, you know, I didn't know much about the fire department when I came in. Like, I told you guys that story. I'm not going to go into it. It's a long story or whatever. But, like, when I got there, I thought it was going to be, like, the three of us, everybody. Right. But not everybody's like us. Not everybody's like us, man. They're not, man. Like, and, and I don't know why. It's, it's maybe because, you know, how we were raised, how we were coached. Whatever, but it's like you know, there's there's a certain number of guys that I really really click with, and, and there's right. other guys where I'm like, ah man, like, right. it's like you know, there's just like anything, there's good firemen and there's not so good firemen, but like you guys, like, I mean, Tuck and you guys, like, we had instant connection like, right, right off the bat. And I don't have any black friends, and that's why you guys are on the podcast. <laughs> so I can prove everyone. We can be token. It's funny hearing that because. <laughs> I thought the same thing, and maybe it's because in the sporting realm, we always come from a place where everybody has the exact same mentality. Men are like a team. We're always thinking the same. Like, it's football for us, or it's wrestling. Like, that's our life. That's what we are dedicated to. And now we're in a profession where guys actually were into other things, but they can still perform this job. Yeah. Whereas in that realm, you had to be into that in order to perform that job. You know what I mean? And so I thought the same thing. I'm like, ah, there's some guys on the job that I'm like, ah, oh, hell yeah. You could be like my brother from another mother, off yeah, rip. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. And there's some guys I'm like, oh, well, he's interesting. Okay, I'll yeah, get a chance to sure. see where, you know, I see why you think that way or whatnot. But uh, and when you I look, like that point. Yeah, and like when you look at it, like you see good leaders, bad leaders, like in public service, good leaders, bad leaders, coaches, stuff like like in athletics. But it seems like in the public safety world, sometimes, uh, just to put it nicely, like the bad ones sometimes they get a little more exposure than they need. And like, Hey, don't get me wrong. Great job in the world. Super thankful for it. Like I'm sitting here today with you two knuckleheads. Like, <laughs> right. like, like <laughs> shooting the breeze. Yeah. Like, yeah. like who'd ever scripted this man? Like, like it's giving me opportunities, crazy opportunities everywhere. But like, it's like, sometimes I wish we could do a better job of being accountable. I like that because like us, like you guys, like tuck, like, you know, when, when we, when we work together, it's like, man, like, there's always accountability there from me to you and from you to me. Like you, you always knew that that doesn't do the right thing for you, for the crew, blah, 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 like, like all that stuff. But it's like, it's almost like in the public service arena, sometimes like people are afraid to hold people accountable. Right. And that's like, and that's, that's probably one of the toughest things for me is like, Hey man, like it's across the board though, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think it kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Brandon, just being a professional, man. Being a, and I think we learned that through our sport, respectively. Being a professional, at least to me, in my mind, is, man, you're going to do your job and perform it at a high level, regardless of how you feel mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is, whatever you're going through. You know what I mean? And I think we have come to a understanding our place in our mind where when we see somebody who's a natural leader or somebody's doing it the way that we would do it, there's a certain level of expectation that comes with it because we have that same standard of excellence for ourselves. For sure. And so we don't expect anything less. And so when we see someone who's not upholding that, we're just kind of like, ah, kind of turned off. or like, ah, why he don't get it? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, he doesnn't get it. And like, I think what, like what you guys are saying, cause I, I've known you guys for a while now, but like just sitting in this room, like just hearing like the little things that you guys talked about. But like, I, like, I feel like me and you and you and all of us in this room, it's always team before self. Absolutely. And I think that's why we, like, we always get along and like, we've always gotten along, like right off the bats. Cause like, Hey, it, it, the shit's bigger than us. Absolutely. Always it is. And like, in that brotherhood or that camaraderie, I've seen it, you know, in, in athletics, like in the military. And that's what brought me to the fire park. So I was like, hey, man, like I could do this nine to five thing. I was a software engineer for six years and I was kind of bouncing all over the place. Like I was in the military part time mm-hmm. as a reservist, all that good stuff. I'm like, I, I came here and I found my my little group. And like that's who, you know, I stick with now and as, as I train more and more guys. Says down, you know, they're training forever. Like I got to meet more guys, but what I want to kind of bring back to the public safety world is like more guys like us, because I think there's guys like us that 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 get it, but there's a lot of others that don't. It's our job to kind of teach those th- those other people, whether they're more senior or more junior than we are. It's like, hey man, it's a team thing. Right. It's a mental toughness thing. Right. It's a self discipline thing. It's all these things that that we were taught, fortunately, through athletics and our parents and stuff like that, that actually make us successful today. Because Mm -hmm. I come here, you know, to the construction company, same deal, man. Like I don't act any differently here at at the construction company than with our guys, but our guys are more accountable here. We empower them to do things and make mistakes. We got their back. Like they trust us. We trust them. I think we could do a better job with that uh, in, Mm -hmm. in, in public safety for sure. So then did you wrap up with the Rattlers and then you started testing? Yeah, well, I got stuck behind, and I just talked to I told this story the other day, too. Um, I, I got stuck behind the 08 deal because um, I was coaching, um, and I didn't t- I didn't take the test in 08 because I still hadn't fully committed to, you know, just trying to be a firefighter. But I started to work on my EMT, and, uh, you know, because I know Mike Rob for a while, and Mike, you know, said, hey, first thing you got to do is get your EMT, and then we'll just go from there. So I rolled at MCC to get my EMT, and... Um, then the economy took a shit in 08, you know, 08 and 09. And so there's no testing. There was no hiring. There was yeah. no nothing. And, uh, and like, and like for me, like I tell people, I said, you know, I was an older guy, you know, and I know how to, you know, I know how to navigate situations. I'm like, so I'm out riding along. I'm like, you know, we all know this when we're hiring, you know, when everybody's hiring in public safety, particularly the fire department, everybody named mom won't take a test. Everybody, you got motherfuckers flying in from Vegas, people flying in from Washington. Everybody's coming testers. in. Hey, See, I got lucky, man. Like, when I tested, you just yeah. need a heartbeat. And they said, hey, they, they put this. <laughs> they just, Are you breathing? Yeah. They actually put a mirror up to my mouth. They said, breathe on this thing. And I fogged up the mirror. They're like, all right, you're good. See, yeah. See, yeah. See, yeah. But, that's, but I'm saying it's like when, yeah. we're, when we're testing, everybody want to test. Right. So that whole window that I had from from you know 2008 to I didn't finally take the test until 2011. So in that you know three year window, two you know four year window, whatever, um, well I didn't get hired till the next year. But 
um, I was going to do ride-alongs, and I had got connected. You know, like I said, Mike had dialed me in. I was going down to Station Nine ride with Tony Long and working on interview stuff with Tony. And the thing about it was nobody knew when Phoenix is going to have a test. It was just, you know, I, but I was just like, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I was, I, and, I, and I wasn't trying to be king of the ride-alongs, but I was trying to make sure that I knew enough. <laughs> king you know, of the ride-alongs. Hey, because that's what everybody said. Hey, man, right. it's like you ain't got to be king of the ride-alongs, but I was, but I, I had to make sure also make a, you know, confirm to myself. Is this something you really want to do? Right. right. And then Gerard Angelina uh, was a captain at 17. Another good dude, man. Yeah. That's really a, good dude. Uh, oh, dog. Him and my uncle like, worked together for a long time. Yeah. Like, good dude, man. Yeah, That's I coached people. his son. Oh, you did? Yeah. And, uh, you know, He's and all a his, beast, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, and all his his yeah. whole family. And his oldest, old, you know, his oldest boy died in a car accident, yep. but then his daughter was a, a, a volleyball player at Hamilton. I think she played basketball, too. So, they got this, you know, I, it was just, I had these tie-ins with all, you know, with the, the department. You know, like I said, you know, annoy Mike Rob, and then uh, Mike's a good dude. Yeah, man. that's my dog. Yeah, you know, I mean, dude. he's the dude that first, you know, introduced me to the whole deal, and then um, um, I was going, you know, like I, said, I was going to Station Seventeen right with those guys at Seventeen on B. I was going to Nine, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, no, because I think with Jordan, I think they were on A. I think they might have been B. Oh, uh, I think he's on C shift. Was at that time were they on? It was him and Mike Casillas, and Mike Saylor was in the back seat. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, th- I think those guys were. I think they were A shift. I think. Maybe. Maybe they were B shifts, but you, you're not an A shifter. Too. No, yeah, but I was all. going, yeah, and right. yeah, no. not even, don't, yeah. not even yeah. close. Me neither. But I was going that ride with <laughs> those guys, <laughs> and uh, you know, and so I, you know, like I said, so I was, I was, and 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 I actually, like I've been talking about this recently. So I'm doing all, you know, going doing these ride alongs, whatever, and I'm just making sure, you know, I keep my face and my name out there. So we played Chandler High one night. Yeah, because you're so hard to Hamilton. miss. Oh, I for, who, Mark Tucker who? Yeah, right. Hey, that guy? I, I, I'm trying to make sure I can, you know, I'm trying to make sure that this is a slam dunk. So <laughs> uh, Gerald Green was coming across the field one night. We're doing, we're doing warm up a pregame, and Gerald Green came across Another the field. Another good dude, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, G-Money. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, I remember he literally walked to me. He said, hey, Tucky, he says, man, he goes, whatever you're doing, man, he goes, keep doing it. He said, because your name started to travel. He's, I know, you know, I, I know you're riding in multiple stations or whatever. You know, I was over going to Station 30, places like that. And he's like, hey, man, it's just your name started to travel, man. Just just keep it up. And, I, you know, I, mean, I ain't stupid. This job, I know a lot of this job, especially the, the initial part of it, is all about your reputation, man. You start, build, you know, building it the day you walk into a fire station. So I'm going down to, to 43 on B-Shift because Mike was on the AMBO over there doing skills courses with those guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got, like, it was just... My sole purpose was, you know, I, I was like, I, I've got to, I mean, I didn't have any other options. Like, this was it. Like, I didn't, yeah. if it wasn't this, then I probably was going to end up just being a lifetime coach. But I had I made my decision that I'm going to be a Phoenix firefighter right. if it kills me. And so, um, finally, um, it, it figures I would leave town. I got a coaching job in the arena league, coaching a team in New Orleans. I get down there, and sure as shit, they announced they're gonna have a testing process. So everybody that knew me, my phone was blowing up. Man, Tuck, you gotta get your ass back here, man. They're having a test. Da da da. We'll do. You gotta fill the application out. And so I, I got all the information. They said, Hey, they're gonna open the application process. You know, this time of night. And I'll never forget. And people, like I said, people. You know, we all have our story about how we got hired. And people have to really understand, man. Mine's not as good as yours. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but still, I mean, but we all have a process of how we got on this job, man. And people have to understand. You know, when again, we're talking about. If you really want to do something, man, you you'll do whatever it fucking takes to, to do it. Right. I remember I'm sitting in my I'm sitting in this um, uh, studio apartment in Louisiana, New Orleans, Louisiana, and I literally sat there. I was looking at my watch when it fucking hit midnight, Phoenix time. I fucking logged my ass in there and filled my application out. 
I was I was like, this is what I've been wanting. I've been working my ass off to do this. I'm sitting there, and I literally sat there. I didn't give a fuck. It, I didn't care how long it took. I sat there on my laptop and put all my information in, submitted my application, and then when they did that, at the time they were you once you submitted, they allowed you to download the PDF of the study guide. And I remember I downloaded that motherfucker, put it on my jump drive. Next morning I get ready to go to practice. I go down to our office, plug that motherfucker into the computer, printed it out, and made made note cards. And literally I studied my ass off. I memorized that entire. Study guy, front to back, upside down, sideways, and because I, I just I I I I'm like I have got to solidify this deal. Right. We had a game in Kansas City. I told my boys, "Hey man, you know this ain't my gig. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I got an opportunity to be a firefighter. The door is open right now." And he was cool as hell. His name is uh, Derek Stingley. His son, his father was Daryl Stingley, who um, was paralyzed by uh, Jack Tatum back in the early '70s. So. Mm. Damn. Um, He's like, hey man, you know, you do what you got to do, dog. If you need to take off, he goes, I, you know, I got you. So I fly my behind back to Phoenix, get a good nice rest, get up next day, go out to the convention center down in downtown Phoenix, and anybody that's taking this test, we already know mm-hmm. it's a line. sizing everybody uh, up, standing in line. Hey, no like, oh, yeah, but the line, that, hey, but the line yeah. is down the street, Puffy around the corner. Peacocks. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red-breasted <Everywhere>. robins. <laughs> hey, they are. They got their fire one or two already. They think they, you know, they fire breathing dragons. And, hey, but the line was ridiculous. It was down the court, down the street, around the corner, it bent back around. You know, just oh yeah. You get in that line. And, uh, you know, we've all seen, you know, we've all been around the testing process and people have seen those pictures. So I just remember going there, taking the test. And, uh, you know, I said, I'm going to take the test. I told him, well, I'm going to take the test, man, and I'll be back. Took the test. The, the next day, my ass is back on the plane. I flew back to New Orleans. I remember my score came. And uh, um, I had it sent to me in, in uh, Louisiana. I remember I opened it up. And I looked down. And it was 84. And I was like, oh, I was like, thank God. So... I start. I uh, oh man, yes. I'm yes. calling people. I'm like, hey man, you know, I don't know. So talk, you know, talking to guys, and so I'm you know, uh, conversing back and forth. And they say, hey man, you 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 just missed you know first round interview, but you'll get a second round interview. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I just need an interview. Hey, that's period. better sometimes. Hey, yes, it I is. can care less. I like like I just took, I'm just thankful. I, I, it's been three years, but I can't even take the damn test. Right. right so right. now I'm on a hiring list. Hey, it's baby steps. I'm good with that. Right. So then uh, I come back home after the season. And uh, I'm back to my substitute, you know, substitute teaching job at Hamilton. I'm coaching or whatever, and uh, and then that's when Andy Arredondo came into the picture. And uh, the Godfather, I, Godfather, the original, hey, right the there. Godfather, hey, the G. He is he is the G. <laughs> right, just and retired. So, um, you know, I got I got hooked up with Andy, and uh, and I really got to know Andy because he was coaching at Desert Vista, football so, guy. He's yeah. a football guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we got so are we, we were tight through that, and uh, was, you know, it was coming down. And I was wondering. What was gonna happen with this with the hiring process? And then my boy was up in San Jose. He had called me, "Hey man, we should come coach in San Jose." And I was like, "Hey dog, I really don't know if I can commit to you." I said because I got an opportunity to be my my dream job is I want to be a Phoenix firefighter, man. And so um, the, that opportunity is coming up. And uh, I recall I called Andy and I said, "Andy, man, I said, you know, I got I got miles to feed. I got this job opportunity, Andy. I don't know what's gonna happen because you're you kind of old." To be yeah. testing. How old yeah. are you? I was 44. Yeah, oh, that's wow. old. Yeah. yeah, that's like father time. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, and, I, and, and thankfully because you know, I was, you know, I was a workout junkie, and, and hey. I, you know, I took care of myself. You were better physically than probably fucking 90 percent of your class, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And so you I got NFL you know, jeans. Come well, on, man. I mean, I you know, but at the same time, man, like I just I I you know, Mike had you know talked to me about you know 
training differently as a firefighter. You know, and you're still not in firefighter shape, but yeah. I knew I knew I could go through the academy. Right? Yeah, for right. sure. And so uh, I asked Andy, I go, Andy, you know, this situation, Andy said, he goes, hey, man, if I was you, I'll never forget these exact words. He goes, I wouldn't be too quick to jump up and go to go to California. And he goes, just hang in there. Trying to give you a hint. Hey. Trying to give you a hint, hint right hint, there. Man, hit, hey, man. Yeah. that man, I, I don't care what anybody says, that man told me to my face, I'm going to get you hired. He told me that. So I'm just like, and I, and, I'm like, and I know this, man. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, that's all I need. That's the stamp of approval right there. The Godfather told me. He was gonna get me hired. Still gotta put in the work. Yeah, still gotta put yeah. in the work. But still the man told me, he, I, you know. So I'm like, and and from that point on, I, I never forget. Then Mike told me I had been going down to nine to work with Tony. And then finally Said, one day, stop. Hey, start taking your ass down to station three. Mm-hmm. Bet we're all the muscle heads. Hey, man. start going down to station three <laughs> where we eat the weight. Hey, <laughs> they get it in at three. Oh yeah, they do. And uh, I flipped the, that that nine hundred pound tire a couple times. Yeah, down there. oh <laughs> dog. And so um, I started going down there, and that's where I met Jordan Redfield. And Jordan started Another working with dude. me. Oh yeah, hey, yeah, right. be a captain. And uh, so I, you know, I uh, well, Jordan he didn't promote the captain already, didn't he? Was he uh, I think they promoted those guys. Yeah. If not, he's real soon. Yeah, yeah. He's in the top ten. Yeah, so yeah, for sure, he started working with me in my interview process, and uh, he can talk, boy. Yeah, Whew. yeah, I like Jordan, but he, yeah. but he, but he, hey, he had me dialed in, and uh, so from there, yeah, then uh, you know, interview man and. Got hired. And did you bring your uh, world championship ring in like Roy did? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go down that line. I actually had it in my suit jacket pocket, which gave me an opportunity to open up the suit so they could see it was custom <laughs> by me for me. Oh, the, in, or, did, oh, during the interview? Oh, no question. Oh, yeah, yeah, dog, yeah. You got to hey, No question. Just, I remember yeah. keep turning. I told like you Roy lacks confidence. Hey, hey, then, yeah, you I walk in there, man. Lacks it for sure. Bow tie, swag, nice, you know. I felt like Denzel. Hey, you know what I mean? And like, have you, you guys sat on the interview boards yet? No. Uh, I'm, I'm see, I, so I sat on it, man. So like everyone sitting on the other side, like I, I sat on plenty. Like they're pulling for you. Like, you know. Right. They want you to do well, and like we love yeah. ex-athletes because right. they get it. Right. So, and it's it's honestly no surprise because we we don't know each other's reputation, right? Right. Or I don't know my reputation, like you don't know yours because you're not in the room when someone's talking about right. you. Right. Absolutely. Like, like I've been around long enough to know there's nothing but nice things, you know, that are said about both you guys all the time. Well, like, good dudes, work that. hard, like. Tuck, like I tuck, you're 51 now. Yeah, like still works like a motherfucker. Like workhorse. He's he's uh you know he's out there. Like when we work together, like what's tucked him? Like just leave him alone. <laughs> I don't give a shit. He watched that truck for four hours. Let <laughs> do his thing. Got Marvin Gaye on, right. Al Green, whatever, out there dancing with the mops. Just let Tuck do his thing. But that's the one thing, like about you, Tuck, that I've known you. You know, uh, that I know about you is like you're always willing to put in the work. Right. Like never done stuff like that. Like and and, and like. It's it's blessed you, man. Like we didn't get to go into it, but I'll have you back before. But like yeah. those of you that don't know who uh was it laser? Rebel. Rebel, Ooh, rebel. I tried to glance over there. So if you Google Rebel American Gladiator, you might see Mark Tucker in a very tight um, scantily clad outfit. In a onesie. A onesie. Yeah, basically, yeah, is a it's a 300 pound onesie that, uh, oh my God. that yeah. he was on American Gladiator for. But, but like all that stuff is paid off, man. Like even today, it's paying off. Like um, you're 51 years old, but like you guys will be captain someday. Like you guys will promote. Like you guys have what it takes to be good leaders because you've been that. Like you've seen that. It's awesome to see. Like you guys come up, like 
Tuck's, Tuck's a big Instagram guy, so he'll post like his workouts on on Instagram sometimes. Not like, not not as much as mostly, but I, I yeah, it's, it's yeah. very sparingly. But. Tape, but but hey, man, but like, but I'd rather see a fifty one year old guy posting, right. you know, hill running than some like twenty something year old doing like, hey, you're twenty something. That, that's what you should be doing. Like, right. Hey, man, when you're fifty one and you're pulling your ass out of bed at five o'clock in the morning to get up when it's hot as fuck outside to go like run that water tower, like you're stupid. You're totally retarded. Yeah. Like, and that's why I love you because you're like, <laughs> you're, yeah, you're, I got some you know, screws loose. Yeah. You're as dumb as I am. You know? so it, Put the mirror to him. Yeah, exactly. Is he breathing? Whatever, stuff like that. And like, Roy, like you're just, what, three years in now? Yeah. Yeah, so about halfway through your rescue time. Yeah, got about about less than 100 left, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. Everybody loves those. So for those of you that don't know, in Phoenix, we have our own ambulance service, so if you're a firefighter, you have to spend 200 shifts on a, on a, on a rescue, and I was completely retarded. I spent, Clint Gower and I spent about 300 plus on Rescue 3. <laughs> So, rescue scum. Oh yeah, we <laughs> yeah, we stayed way too long, but yeah, man. Like I think we're almost two hours into this, dude. It was the first episode, so I figured we didn't have a real rubric or something. No, just I just freelance. It's it just know? kind of a time warp, man. But right. like I, I like when I was trying to go through this thing and think about like who I wanted, you know, first. I'm like, I know who I want first, because like, you know, <laughs> I know a lot of people, man. But like, thing with us, it was like we've always had a good time. You guys right. have amazing backgrounds. You guys had every excuse to not succeed in life. You grew up in a shitty neighborhood. You had every probably temptation to fuck up and like not do the right thing. But you guys have, have like stayed the course. And just to hear your story and for other people to hear your story and why you guys are, are successful and continue to be successful, man, it's like, you know, it's it's awesome. I think people will find, you know, some real confidence and some real motivation because you're 34, uh, Roy, and you're 51 talk it's like it doesn't matter how old you are you always got to put in the work and right. it, that shit don't ever change my dad's 72 motherfucker still grinding. oh yeah he's he he for sure 72 on a mountain bike Beast. still racing with me so i love it but man i love you guys i just want to say thank you you know we'll wrap it up but i'm sure both of you guys will be back but hey man appreciate it love you boys appreciate oh, yeah. it dog. Love 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 having love, love thanks for having here, us man yeah, yeah. For sure. so first episode cranked it out Thanks, for nice, man. I feel like we can talk like this for like hours. Oh, oh we could, yeah, yeah oh, literally. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm cutting us off because right. I know we got another fucking hour in us for sure. I know, no. I'll question. have you guys back. For no sure. question, yeah. it's still oh, fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can come back and review like all the stupid football movies that there ever was and oh, just yeah. shoot holes in them. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Do something I like, like that. that. Yeah, but, yeah, man. Right what do you guys think? Oh yeah, like no. the joint. Oh, I like yeah, it, man. Yeah. I like the, oh, yeah, the setup, man. I like what you're doing with it. I like the platform. Um, and I'm more importantly, I like the message behind trying to get public safety more involved. I mean, we do have a voice as well. Yeah. And sometimes I think that voice is undermined as, oh, we're just, you know, blue collar workers we are. But we interact with the public on a day to day basis. So yeah. that's a platform in and of itself, especially in today's climate with law enforcement. Hey, we are still revered as an admirable job. And so why not use it? Yeah, know? for sure. And like I'll have other people on here, you know, that are successful in business and other reasons and shit like that, because. Like my like, I just want to get across that like I don't give a shit where you come from, and no matter what, like arena you're in, there's certain things that make you successful, right. and like all that shit should ring true. Because it's like you guys, like no matter where we end up, we end up excelling in something, right? Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, we're, we're obviously not the fucking smartest motherfuckers in the world because we wouldn't be sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be sitting in our five million dollar house doing this motherfucker. But still, I and I think guys like us, we just we've learned how to just fucking um, adapt, right? And just kind of you know put the work in to show up where yeah. 
We need to be. Oh, Sam, man, I leave you with this, bro. <laughs> My dad, <laughs> three types of guys in, in this world. He says three types of cats in this world. Those that make it happen, those that watch it happen, and those that don't even know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's hey, old school. That's real hey, OG hey. talk for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, that might, I might put that on Twitter today. I like Let that. Let know. Hey, for those real. Those that make it happen, those that watch it happen, and those that don't even know what the fuck is going on. I like it. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. You can find you on Instagram under what? Swole underscore tuck. Yeah. Is it one or swole underscore tuck? I think it's swole underscore tuck. Yeah. Right. And then Roy, you're. you're. I'm Roy Lou 34 all day. Get at me. Holla at me. At me. <laughs> How's my car? It's good, man. The Black Panther still roars, man. You know? I, I told him you can't name classic cars fucking uh, anything but girls' names, but. Nah, the Black Panther fits, bro. Hey, brothers love that yeah. paint job. They love it. I'm dude. talking about like six year old brother to like seven year old. No, brother. everybody they lose their damn mind. They lose. It. I'm telling you, it's yeah. the Black Panther, dude. I painted it just for a black guy. That's why. You Thank you. It. I like. It. <laughs> I wish I could find I'm like, like a I'm magnetic. I'm gonna paint this car so I can have fist. my first black friend <laughs> buy it. <And> it's like, <laughs> it's nice, man. It's nicely done, man. And that's the only thing I'm missing is a soul glow. You know, little fro man or a little. Yeah. Fist hey, the magnet oh, yeah. put down there. That'll oh, yeah. be clean, bro. And get the black it. fist, dog. That's yeah, it, man. Get that, you, hey. Like the pick, man. That's hey, we in the game. My daughter loves that thing. It's her. It's probably gonna be her car. It His daughter's car. like she's three or four. She's two. She's two. She can. She knows how to start the fucking thing. Yeah. She. She. She's gonna be probably a gear here, which is good. You know, I like that. Hopefully, she doesn't get a bum guy. Oh, I don't gonna, want him to inherit that. That ain't gonna happen. You know that. Yeah. You, first of all, you know that ain't gonna let that happen. That ain't gonna happen. No. You you can bring him to my house. I'll do some pajama wrestling with him. <laughs> what the? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. You know what? Matter of fact, when she goes to prom, I'm gonna have you two in hey, the garage, hey, just hey, like yeah. yeah. We'll go bad boys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I need that. Yeah. That's exactly what I need. Yeah. yeah. Say hello to her uncles. We'll be yeah, waiting. That's it. She gonna be home at what time? Yeah. <laughs> right. You're Thank very, you. Hey, you, how old are you? Right. You've been with a man? Fuck, like well, he's Uncle Mark. We call him Tuck because he's going to tuck you in later if you're late. Tuck you in his fucking fist. Hey. Righteous, man. So Righteous. you got surgery tomorrow? Yeah, 2.30. All right. They're just going to clean it up? Yeah, just a scope, clean out some meniscus. and back Medial, out. lateral? Medial and lateral. Nice, yeah. nice. All right, well, we'll do it again. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. This is fun, Righteous. Okay, so there it was, episode one with Mark Tucker and Roy Lewis. Again, I want to let you know that this episode was brought to you by Reef Builders. If you're going to need anything done to your house, full remodel, kitchen remodel, bathroom remodel, uh, if you need a new house built, small commercial boutique projects, Reef Builders, your vision, their experience delivered. So I uh, just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Uh, love to hear your feedback. Uh, you can give feedback on social media at Make the Difference Podcast on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, appreciate a review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever the podcast can be found. Um, I'd like to make this thing better. I'd like to make this thing something that people want to hear. So I'm open to any and all feedback as well as reviews. And um, if you want to take a look at our website, I don't think it's up yet, but it will be up. That is MakeTheDifferencePodcast.com as well. So I just want to thank everybody for listening to episode one. I uh, don't know where this thing's going, but I'm hoping it's going to be uh, continuing to be as fun as this episode was. And we will talk to you guys on episode two. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.